Tits? Tits? Are you clapping them together? Yes. Oh. Baby, if you know what that's worth. Oh, heaven is a place in Slough. Is it? No. Nothing's in Slough. Except for misery. Unless it's like a swingers club or something. Sloughingers. Sloughing. <laughs> Tiny, like, I, this is I, th- this is staying in. Um, this, this is staying in now. So, I live a stone's throw from a swingers club. That's true. And what's hilarious about that is... Um, <clears throat> the mentality of kind of swingers clubs and that is that you don't really advertise them, but everyone locally sort of like that's a that's a swingers club. That, I mean, that's it's a, a brothel. Club. Like that's what everyone says about it. It's en- I mean, yeah, it's essentially it's a brothel. It's a big old brothel. I don't know if, how true that is, but it, it, I mean, it isn't. It's, it seems well, like we're talking euphemisms here. Well, the thing with this one is they recently in the last like half a year started advertising. Well, yeah, that they this exist. is the, this is the rub, so to speak. And they're very public about it now because Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights we can hear like. <laughs> Like drifting on the blizz. Um, so they're not hiding it anymore. They're not they don't give a shit. They're just like, We're here, we're unwashed. Come and get us. And the great unwashed. It's it's so bizarre because it's like, what next is suddenly gonna be like, do you know what? Actually, we're public. Oh yeah, no, weed. Yeah, Keith, Keith, number 52, he sells it. I'd be down with that. Go to Keith's and get some ganja. I'd be down with that. I don't need to wear these headphones anymore. It's just for levels. shadows. Do you know what? Look at that aesthetic. Oh, look at that. It looks looks professional. It does. I mean, I probably should wear them. That makes one of us. Well, it is Christmas. Welcome to Big Down, a pop culture podcast, where we Mm. talk about whatever the fact we want, whenever the fact we want. It's true. Uh, This is our annual episode. And um, <laughs> no, no, we've, we've, we've. Do you know what? There was, there was. I think we've, I think we've, I think we've earned it. There was, a, there was a tiny window between the last two. There was like a month between mm. the last two, and we were always like, it's going to be every sort of, you know, five to eight weeks based on when we're available. So I think we've earned a bit of leeway. It's going to be yeah. when we feel like doing it, pretty much. Right. Um, but enough about wanking. Them's the um, breaks. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. And he's Matt. Oh yeah, um, it's true. And would you believe it? There's like no news. <laughs> no news. The sweet fuck all the talk about no, because not, not in the spheres that we would usually cover. But that is, of course, because there's no promotional stuff happening. And why is that, Christopher? Because SAG-AFTRA has joined the strike against the studio system. Seize the means of production. Eat quite the rich, literally. And and make Ron Perlman your figurehead. The ri- the rich eating the rich. Oh my! Lo- You've seen the Ron Perlman. Clip, oh yeah, right? yeah. I don't think we can get copyright struck for playing a clip of Ron Perlman I, I'm, talking, but I'm I, gonna I'm gonna I, bring it in. We might be, we might do, but if we do, <laughs> worth it. Yeah, Ron worth it, worth it. doesn't R- work. Ronimy Perlman. Ronimus Bosch. Jeremy Ron. Perlman. Um, Jeremy Ron Perlman. <laughs> so for those who who are like, right, I've heard about this, but I don't know what it is. What the hell are you talking about? Um, a couple months back now, as of this recording, the Writers Guild of America went on strike. Why? Because they ain't being paid enough. So but these Hollywood elites are being paid do millions. You no. That point in like 2005, 2006, when all the TV shows got really shit or had massive season breaks, 
that was the that was the last writer's strike. That was the writer's strike, baby. And reality then, TV. They say it's a myth that reality TV was caused by the writer's strike. No, no, no. But reality TV filled an easily producible yeah. gap when stuff was yeah. And here's the thing: yeah. part of the 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 resolution of that writer's strike was that after a certain time frame, the produ- producers and, and streaming companies would revisit the um, the streaming rights and residuals and how that was structured. Yeah. And then that deadline passed. Mm-hmm. And what had they done? Not revisited it ever. Nothing! So, back at that point, I think it was resolved in 2008, 2009. That sounds about right. Um, <clears throat> part of what happened there was, it was about residuals for repeated works. Um, uh, syndication, when a show is sold overseas or to other channels. Because here's how it works to be a writer in American telly and sometimes in British telly. It's not exactly the same. But... It works. Well. 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 Um... You write an episode. You're hired to write an episode of a thing. You write it. The fee is good, but based on everyone's process, you write differently. Some people can shit out a script in a day for like a half hour, half hour sitcom, and then send it off for approval. Some people need a week. Some people are told uh, as long as you get it to us this time next month, and then they take the whole month to just like absolutely smash it. Uh, try writing anything. If you're not a writer, try writing anything. Sit down now and be like, I'm going to write a short story. And then time how long it takes you to fucking start writing, never mind finish the story. Like, everyone's got a different process. Either way, you get paid a fee for your initial script. And that fee isn't great. It's good when you look at it as, I handed over a Word document and got paid like £600. Then you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. But how long did it take you to get that Word document finished? How long did it take to come up with the right jokes? How long did you stress over the character arcs? How long did you have to change it? Because they went, oh, actually, we've got that actor, so we're going to put that character in it for that scene, if that's okay. Or oh, we're not able to shoot there. Or oh, we don't have the budget for that set piece. Could you change it completely? That 600 quid feels like a lot less than you should be getting. And then that's it. If you're lucky, you have a residual agreement where if the show is shown a certain amount of times on the telly or is sold to another network or goes into what's called syndication, which traditionally means 100 episodes exist, that 100 episodes plus is sold to other networks as, a, as like a bundle to be shown, and you get a cut of that sale because your work is in there. Mm. Um, then what would happen is you'd get maybe another 600 quid the next year for that one script you wrote a couple of years ago, mm. and then 600 quid the next year, maybe 1,000 quid the next year, maybe 200 quid the next year, but the point is you would, for a very long period of time, residuals for that work you did which would justify the lower fee for the thing that is being used again and again and again that you worked on um online content in the 2000s was not considered television because online content was web videos it was college humor it was crackle it was you know just crackle yeah jesus yeah it, it was. It I was just crackled. <clears throat> my, my bones just crackled at the thought of that. It's back now. So all, everything's back it's now. It's back now, but it's back like with someone basically bought it and recovered it from the dirt and has turned it into a thing again. But it can only retain a couple of the things it used to do. Yeah. Not crackled. Cracked. Oh, cracked. 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 Not what crackle's doing. Crackle. Hanging, out, hanging out with Snap and Pop, probably. But um, you remember crackle though, right? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Bad streaming service. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, the amount of streaming services that have come and gone in the last, like, five or six years. But that's part of it, you see. Because... That is part of it. Online content was considered dispensable, disposable, brief, fleeting. 
<laughs> reliable, sensible, dependable, all sorts of other words that end in ibble. Ibble. Um, and it's um, first person to comment what that's from wins a rake. And um, that's all I've got. First person to comment on what that's a reference to wins the same rake. <laughs> and then you must then fight, you fight to decide. We'll snap it in half. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we, we watched online stuff briefly and then we moved on with our lives. And that still happens to an extent, but the difference is since then, online streaming has become the norm for entertainment consumption. True. Since then, Netflix has gone from mailing you Blu-rays and DVDs and HD DVDs to being its own original studio with like partnerships with others and distributors like for commercial release, but mostly on its own thing. The power of such hits as Hemlock Grove, yeah, and Lilyhammer, and and making like you know films with fuck off big budgets, yeah, like you know the you know much to be desired, but it happened, I guess. Red Notice, like Red Notice's three lead actors are Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. That film, based on their fee alone, will be like high blockbuster in terms of its budget um, assignment. Didn't so, they got a package deal. Oh, I mean, I know Dwayne Johnson's making different things with them as well. Because yeah. he's, uh, uh, what's the one they're working on now? It's a Christmas. Uh, Do you think the Red the- One, it's called. And he keeps referring to it as, uh, as a new franchise instead of just here's a film we're making. a new franchise with Johnson. We don't want a Christmas franchise. It's weird one. that we have ones that exist anyway. Yeah, we've already got Christmas franchises. Thank you very much. Yes, it's called uh, Tim Allen in Tim- the Santa Claus. Uh-huh. And the uh-huh. Santa Claus 2. The uh-huh. Escape Clause. And the Santa Claus 3. Whatever the hell that one was called. The one with um, Martin, Martin Short, Short in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's called. Bless Martin Short. And the then the TV Martin series. Short. Which was a thing. Yeah. Oh, they've recast him. He's the real Buzz Lightyear. They just gave him a show on Disney Plus. Shut up. Yeah. Um, yes. Anywho, yeah. um, streaming is our main, our main way that we devour television now. And if it's not on streaming, it's on watching older shows arriving on. If it's not original content, it's watching older shows arriving on streaming. And if it's not that, it's using streaming services to catch up on other content. If it's not on streaming, it's extinct. Now, for example, iPlayer in the UK. It's the BBC's catch-up service it's a streaming service with everything you might have missed you can catch it on iplayer but they also put older content on there now someone writes an episode of only fools and horses in the 80s gets paid not not very much for it gets some repeat fees throughout the 80s and 90s jubbly lovely jubbly jobs are good um and that then gets added to iplayer in 2023 do they see any money for that no now that's stuff that needs to be worked out in time, because that's UK. But over in the US, writers have a union. They're unionised, the Writers Guild of America. Yeah. So, not getting paid enough, and now their online content always coming under, oh, we'll pay you online content fees. Yeah, but this online content is a like worldwide phenomenon yeah. franchise, like Stranger Things. I would like to be paid residuals, please. Well, you don't do that. You write it, we put it on Netflix, and then it's just on Netflix. Okay, well, based on views. That happens on TV programs sometimes. If someone gets is a ratings yeah. hit, everyone gets either a bonus or a guaranteed job on like the next thing. So can we have that, please? Yeah, well, you know, we don't release our figures. Yeah, but you said it's, a, you said it's the most streamed thing on the platform. So you have figures. So you have figures. Yeah, we don't have figures. Why are Netflix and Paramount Plus and Disney Plus and such all coy about that? 
because admitting that they have figures means giving out numbers that justify raises, further employment, residuals, etc. But guess what? That stuff is online content. We don't want to give people money for that. So the writers have gone, yeah, we want to get paid properly. We want to get paid properly for giving you... You don't have a show unless we write it. Yep. So we don't want the world... We want enough money to pay our freaking rent and feed our families. That's what we want. And then the studios go, well, we don't need you to write our shows. We've got chat GPT and other generative AIs. And people who are, let's face it, brain dead, sorry, who think that AI is the greatest thing to ever happen and can't see any of the flaws with it implemented in various ways of life, um, go, yeah, that's fine. Look, I just wrote a Batman movie in chat GTP. Right. Like, look, look at this. Read it. It's great. We need to get something out of the way. Yes. So these, what people call AIs, are not actually artificial intelligences. No. They're, they're generative, <clears throat> which yeah. means that you feed them a bunch of information, and then they regurgitate that, in a different so you remember when you were doing homework as a kid mm-hmm. and then you're like basically all you did was you copied from a book but you put it in your own words yes that's what chat gtpt does except no human was involved so it has no it has no context yeah like the information's there yeah there's no nuance of meaning there's no um, tone yeah, yeah it's just information read a just go online and read any like oh i wrote i wrote this with ai like it's, it's amazing. Read it. Really read it. Read it. Read it. Especially if you were a fan of film, television, uh, you know, reading literature, comic books. Like, if you're a fan of any of that, you enjoy entertainment and you take a lot from it, go and read one of these generated scripts and it will hit you like a ton of bricks within a couple paragraphs. God, this is this is detached. And this, this, this is, is of course, weird. is the problem because the a lot of the people at the top, a lot of the producers and stuff, don't understand that that's a problem because they don't care about how good something is. They only care about how successful something is. And how little money they have to spend in the meantime to get it there. And those two things Mm. are not always linked. Like quality and success are not the same thing. Jesus H. Christ, no. Um, Look at how many TV shows that people really like are cancelled because not enough people are watching them. You know what I mean? even if something is is brilliant, truly brilliant, if there's not the audience for it, then it can't be successful. And if it's not successful, then it won't be supported. And that is what these producers are looking for. They're not looking for... They're not making things... I mean, I'm, I'm doing not all producers here. Like, you know, some of these producers are... Hashtag not all producers. Some of these producers are also writers. <laughs> therefore, also part of Strike. Yeah, some of them have um, come from making yeah. stuff and get it. Like, they get it. Um, but a lot of the producers who aren't... Um, you know, they're just people who produce uh, whatever that. It's such a, it's such Nebulous, a vague, vague job title that it can encompass such a range of things from being like the 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 sole driving force behind a project to just being someone who hangs around, gives notes, and gets paid for it. Um, or sometimes not even that. Executive producers. Um, so marquee executive it, producers. Yeah. And it, um, so the thing the thing is, is that. There's the a lot of them just don't have a sense mm. for what actually is good writing, because Avi Arad, 
key I, example. I, I, oh, fuck me. Avi Arad. Amy but, Pascal, but arguably. People go and see those projects. People turn out for them. So they go, oh, what I'm doing must be right, must be good, so I'm going to keep doing that. And I don't have to strive to make it better because it's already successful. I just have to do more mm. of what I perceive was successful about that, which is why you get things like the whole... Uh, when Harry Potter broke, mm. um, everyone was chasing the young adult market. Yeah, thank, thank God you finished that sentence. And <laughs> When Harry Potter broke, everyone was chasing young adults. It's true. Uh, oh, they, God, they no. were. They were. Um, but yeah, Percy Jackson, Spiderwick yeah. Chronicles, the original Lemony Snicket adaptation. Not that all of those projects were without merit. No, some some absolutely were like, oh, these are great. And some were like, well, this is pointless. But they weren't made because the producers were interested in in, in adapting that material in, in thinking, oh, we could do something with it. They were just like, all right, what's X... Um, uh, young adult project. What Harry young Potter thing franchise. have we got? Yeah. yeah. What Harry Potter thing have we got? That's the thing. Um, Why is there a million cinematic universe attempts over the last decade? Which is yeah, because same Ma- thing. Because Marvel did a thing, it paid off. They turned it into their brand, and everyone went, "Well, that's why they're successful. We must do this." Because a lot of the people the, they don't think about how to do it. A lot of people making these decisions don't understand what's good about something in yeah. the way that makes it successful. They just know what something is. And that it was successful, so if you make another one of those things, it will be successful. Yeah. Not because it's good, or it does what those other things that it's imitating did well, but that it's just one of those things that it's imitating. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Uh, there it is. It's, uh, you see it in video thing. games all that, the time. That, the wizard boy wears glasses. What have we got where someone wears glasses? That? Quick. Put it yeah. out there. Yeah. Like, oh, Teen Wizards, get out of there. Funny story. In the original Lemony Snicket film adaptation, uh, they got rid of Klaus's glasses because they didn't want people to think that they were copying Harry Potter, uh, which is despite, hilarious. Com- yeah. Despite that the film was the film was greenlit because they wanted to have a Harry Potter competitor. Yeah. Um, but also uh, uh, the fourth book, which if they'd have got a sequel, would have been one of the books adapted in the second film. An entirely major plot point requires Klaus's glasses to break and him have to see an, um, uh, an optician. It's an entire plot point that starts oh, the wow, plot of the fourth book. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. So the, force, the lack of foresight was astounding. Uh, he gets them out in one scene to read something yeah. and puts them away, but it's like, for God's sake. The lack of foresight is... Which is, is ironic when it comes to glasses. Yay. Um, it's is a, is a pretty big problem with a lot of producers and a lot of studios in general. Um, and, you know, they're clearly not they are not interested in the quality of the product. I keep oh, banging God. on about the same thing. No, but um, ba- bang away. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it was any good. But look at the fact that they made a Batgirl movie, they finished it, and then went, you know what? It'll be cheaper if we don't release it. What? David Zaslav, look, this film cost us, was it, 90 million? And we we're going to put it on HBO Max. I don't think it's going to see enough people signing up to HBO Max. I don't think it's worth it. Scrap it, and we'll get twenty million off uh, of a tax write-off off of it. So we'll what? still we'll still lose seventy million, but we'll make back twenty mils. So that's fine by me. So you it is the you no, know, we don't care about what we're actually making, mm. which uh, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's got even an ounce of. Um, realism in their outlook or you know it's just paying attention i spoke to some actual crew who worked on that uh, job the other week and they are all all heartbroken yeah like they all want to see it 
because <clears throat> they spent months of their life working really making hard a on film it. is not a quick and easy thing. Um, so for it to get ditched wanna... for oh, a what less than you know way less than half of its budget back that does not then go to anyone who worked on it as like a sorry it didn't work out here's, yeah. here's an extra payment for whatever like no it just there's nothing about the there's nothing about the quality of it like doesn't factor into it apparently Brendan Fraser was a lovely man eh, and Leslie Grace was amazing and really really like excited to see what they were making come to conclude yep so I hate it fuck so you Zaslav uh, that needs to come out some by hook or by crook that needs to get out there mm. god damn it it needs to hey Ryan Reynolds have you thought about taking your um, publicity company um What's it called again? It's got a really good name. Maximum Effort. Yeah. Have you and Maximum Effort ever thought about offering to do some publicity stuff for uh, yeah. for, for Warner's Discovery? No other reason. But just no, may, maybe say yeah. that you're going to help them out with their archives. No other reason. It, it's... No, no other reason. I'm, I'm sure you know. I'm sure you'll be sensible, and it won't be like the the Deadpool incident in 2000 and, uh, 2011-12 you know that what? leaked it... the test footage that eventually got the film greenlit. It might be terrible. It might be awful. I don't know. But it would have at been least, a it, at least it would have been out. Yeah, it would have been a Batgirl movie and it would have existed and all that hard work would have been put in front of people's eyeballs to see um, and would have definitely been better than the other DC film I saw this year, for fuck's I would, sake. I would rather we get <laughs> a film than no film, even if said film is bad. Yeah, because people's hard work made it to the screen. Yeah, people don't set out to make bad films. Oh, God, no. They do, and often should be mocked for it. But... Um, <laughs> I don't think that's ever anyone's intention. Unless you are a specific kind of, like, trashy filmmaker. In which case, you know, God go with you. Um, if people don't like films, challenge them to boxing match. Yeah. Good- um, so, so um, AI, repeat fees, these are the protections that writers want. Yeah. They want their jobs secure. Whether those jobs get released or not, they want to get paid properly for In them. In an increasingly volatile market. Oh, God, yeah. Know? And the major studios have gone, hmm... And delayed and dallied so long that the writers have gone, right, we're out. Nothing is getting written at all by anyone who's a member of the union from now until this is resolved. And let's be clear, these people now do not have jobs. Yeah, that's the other thing. Oh, there's millionaires. They were not all all writers are swimming in cash. I think someone worked it out with SAG, which we'll get to, but the Screen Actors Guild, 2% of the Screen Actors Guild, the Actors Union of, of Hollywood... 2% 2% of the Screen Actors Guild are millionaires. 2%. Another 5 to 7% are comfortably like net worth in the sort of low 100,000 range. Yeah. The rest are all jobbing actors who earn up to an average of maybe 26 grand a year. Yeah. So when everyone goes, these Hollywood elites want more money, it's like, no, the 2% at the top don't want money. Don't want, want more money. They're supporting the other yeah. 98% they're, they're, to make sure they get paid. It's not about them. Yeah. It's, they're not striking... For them. No, they're striking for everyone in the union. That's that's why unions are good. And they're also doing it to support the writers' union who started this. That's why there's no late night talk shows, because yep. that's obviously like weekly writing gigs. That's why yep. TV production halted. That's why some TV productions carried on but couldn't make any changes, because they had to just stick to what was locked before the strike began. Yep. Um, which is like unheard of, really, because stuff always gets tweaked and changes along the way. Um, certain f- projects and films in the past, for example, during the last writers' strike... Tried to get around that. Uh, famously, Quantum of Solace, the most eh, Bond film of all time. Yeah. With a couple of good set pieces, but other than that, just... Eh. Um, it was during the writer's strike, so no writer could amend the script. Daniel Craig was not part of any 
writing, you know, union or whatever. So he and someone else, I think it was like the second unit director, yeah. worked on tweaking the scenes that needed tweaking during filming and writing dialogue on the spot because yeah. they could do that. But like, that's one of the reasons why that film doesn't really work. Yeah. And Daniel Craig will be the first to admit that he is not a writer. Not that um, everyone in the Writers Guild is a great writer and not that oh, every know. great writer is in the Writers Guild, but there's a crossover. All right. The Directors Guild, the DGA were approached and a good like chunk of like known directors very publicly were like, we absolutely support the, the strike. Our union's going in to vote whether or not we're also going on strike soon. Yeah. And they did. And the vote was to not go on strike by about a 5% margin, which means that half the Directors Guild don't support their writers. And the other half, the other less than half, absolutely do. Name and shame, folks. When the time comes, please name which directors didn't support the strike. Um, Because guess what? You don't get to direct any new shit until it's written. (laughs) Fuck's sake. Unless you get someone else to write it who's not union. Scab! Anyway. Can you be um, a scab if you're not union? Uh, you can be perceived as a scab. Okay, and you also are not allowed to then join the union. Ah. Because you acted out during a union strike. Yes. So the union take that as, well, we don't... Like, we don't why would we you. rely on you? We don't want you. Yeah. Um, independent film, different story. Well, yeah. Independent film can continue to be made, but the budget has... It's something like the budget has to be less than 75 yeah. grand total. So it's got to be, like, tiny budget, stuff. Yeah. Short films. Um, like pitches for for films like they're making a short a, sort of like a, a taster version of, of the movie stuff, proof yeah. of concept that can be made uh, but no movies no tv series excuse me so the writers strike was was now supported by the screen actors guild strike massive kudos to the cast of oppenheimer for deciding to make it a public thing did you see that yeah. amazing yeah. so the premiere for oppenheimer it's european premiere it's last big premiere in the uk was like two weeks ago and on the day, the red carpet was brought forward by an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. And people were like, what's this about? That's interesting. So press gathering like, shit, we better get ready. Uh, the usual happens. The stars show up. Uh, is it Killy Murphy, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Robert Downey Jr.? All those people. Um, Matt Damon, like all the main sort of stars for it. There, it's like, oh my God, this is great. Here they are in London, the glitz and glamour of the premiere. They did the photo um, junket, they did some interviews, and then they went into the screening, and the moment the screening started, the Screen Actors Guild strike was official, and they all left. Yep. So a public display of, and now we leave. Yep. Because things like this don't get made until people are paid fairly. And part of... Part of the strike conditions is that you don't do publicity for stuff. Yes. So even though they were done the publicity part, and they were just at the, the screening, while the cameras are there, oh, here we are leaving. We are leaving now. Um, you just know Chris Nolan's absolutely one of the sorts of directors who would have voted against striking, right? He just gives those vibes. He Only after they get up and tell everyone why everyone was leaving. Yeah. He does he, he does give... Tory vibes. Tory vibes. Big Tory vibes. But, but also, he's also a writer. So is he also a member of the Writers Guild? Uh, I don't think he is because he's, he's UK-based. So yeah, he doesn't need to worry about that. Yeah. Shit, um, it's not, uh, yeah, it, yeah, okay. Because there's some there's some members of the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild who are working on films that are shooting over here right now. Yeah, that aren't on the strike. Yeah, because it, being in the UK is a loophole. Yeah, like they're already on the job. Pod example, 
Deadpool 3 started shooting not too long ago, during the writer's strike, people were like, Ryan Reynolds is a member of the Writers Guild of America. Yeah. He's, he's a member of the Writers Guild. So he can't improvise any dialogue to be used in this film during the filming while God, the strike's like on. Gotta be trying to hold in a really big shit. He's also wearing a mask, so he could just make a note of what he would have said and then dub it in in post later. Because <laughs> Deadpool, obviously, like they do a little bit of CGI work to make his mask and eyes move. Yeah. So they, they could just do that later. But then the filming moved to the UK, and that's where the shot of him and Hugh Jackman came from. Um, and the reason that's been given for that is... Uh, Ryan Reynolds is also, along with Rob McElhenney, co-owner of Wrexham FC, and they've got a lot of stuff going on at the minute. So he's come to the UK, he's moved the production of Deadpool, of which he is a producer. He's moved the production of Deadpool 3 over to the UK so that he can be there for both jobs and keep, you know, work what's going on with Wrexham, and Wrexham whilst working on Deadpool 3. And everyone's like, yeah, it doesn't hurt that you then have the loophole of not having to stick to the strike rules while you're over here. But, like, do you know what? I don't buy it, Ryan. Fair enough. He's the producer. He's decided to do that. Fine. And he has vocally supported the strike. I don't respect you like I used to. He has vocally supported the strike. So he could finish on this, then go back over there and be picking straight away if he wanted. I apologise for if any of those plosives just blew out anyone's eardrum. Look at that spike. Mm. Oh, yeah. It was a little... That's the script of Deadpool 3 if you put it through ChatGPT. Um, That's the script of Deadpool 3. Because uh, <laughs> you've got to improvise it later. I'm st- um, every, every time I revisit Deadpool 2 in any, in any part, I like it less. Every time I revisit it, I like it more. And, and That's called balance. I'm really... There we go. Shake hands. Uh, For those I'm, listening along, we just touched each other's dicks. I'm really struggling to... We're still touching them. About Deadpool 3. I really I, am. I'm intrigued. I just but don't. You can bring all the Hugh Jackmans back you want. I don't give a fuck. You can put. You can paint him yellow. Let alone the yellow costume. I, you can cut him off at the fucking knees and make him 5-1. Five, five I don't care. I mean, I think he would care if you cut him off at the knees. <laughs> you could literally say we are adapting these issues of Deadpool slash whatever series. Word for word. Shot for shot. Zack Snyder Watchman style and it's going to be the most faithful thing ever and I would still not care and I'll tell you why because I'm still pissed off about the way they handled Vanessa in Deadpool 2 I think that it gave it left such a bitter taste in the mouth and especially the way that they resolve it Towards the end. Oh, in, oh, in mid credits, yeah. like it's a joke. And yeah, I, I just—it's not the only uh, Marvel project that I feel has issues with female characters, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh damn! I know where this is going. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, she only drew the short straw because it wasn't International Women's Day. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Which is still the best gag in the first film. I love it. Also, like, just openly, there's your lead character getting pegged. Yeah. And loving it. I, One second, there was I a weird noise it. at the door. I'm going to go and check what it was. In the meantime, yeah. can you describe to everybody what the actors involved in the strike now cannot do? Um, act. Touch their toes. Touch their toes. Uh, do any press or promotion uh, or, um, like, eat pizza on a Wednesday or... Uh, eat dairy before 3 p.m. but they can only eat white meat after 6 p.m. 
Um, does that include so crab meat? It does not include crab meat. Fish is exempt, but it does mean that you can no longer have chicken parmesan. Do you say parmesan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only in that context. You've gone Hollywood. It's parmesan cheese. But if, you, if you're talking about the dish, then it's chicken parmesan. Yeah, so um, breaded chicken on some pasta or under a red sauce. Or Middlesbrough. Yeah, I don't know. I'm well travelled. I've been south. Oh look! What's that? The black phone is arrived. The black phone. That's not a phone. No, it's a Blu-ray. God, these mobile phones are getting stranger and stranger. I just don't know how to work it. Those listening along at home, Matt just choked a chicken. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah. No, give me an accurate list of what the actors can and can't do. Promotion. I'm I'm here as. This is the dynamic of the show, right? Mm. Is that you're talking to a person who has deleted Twitter. Yes. Deleted Reddit. Yes. Uh, only uses Facebook for day job related things. Yes. Um, and doesn't search down online news. Occasionally watches the odd YouTube thing, but only if the subject is interesting to me. Assume I, I know nothing. I've got to say, since we've... I'm the audience surrogate. Since we've... Since we've like become an occasional podcast yeah i've noticed i do that too people come up to me on twitch and say like oh what do you think of this thing and i'm like i have no idea what I you're talking know about what that is. i don't know what you're talking about they're like oh but it's like it's from this film like this actor's doing this thing and i'm like oh cool and i've realized yeah i'm looking up this stuff less yeah. partially because we don't do it weekly and we have to keep on top of it yeah. and partially because twitter is garbage and i don't impossible have to use twitter anymore i can't tell you how Fucking wonderful it is. Twister is impossible to use. And, and, I, and I, it is impossible to well, use. Yeah, I know that. Like, it, is, it is functionally broken. It's fascinating. I think we're all just kind of... We're not rats on a sinking ship so much as we're rats on a float next to the ship watching it and commenting Going, on it. Oh, fucking hell. That's bad, isn't it? Pretty much. It's bizarre. So uh, actors during the strike can't do any promotions. That includes premieres, interviews about current projects. They can appear at conventions unless they're there to talk about a new or upcoming project. Well, that, if only there was some huge convention... Well, as we're recording this... ...to take place. What that, there's something that's going on in LA right now? A that, whole bunch of, of, of projects were going to be trailered and teased and talked about and panelled and... Well, funnily enough, welcome to our San Diego Comic-Con trailer breakdown. Uh, there are none. Well, um, well, well, no. Well. Technically, the only trailer I've seen from Comic Con so far has been Insomniac's Spider Man Two story trailer. Insomniac's Spider Man Two story trailer. The Marvels just happened to release a trailer online just, just during this week because they have no presence at the event. Um, um, so they weren't going to be there anyway. DC have no presence at the event except for the comics. Marvel Comics is at the event. Basically, San Diego Comic Con this year is a comic con. <laughs> Holy it's a shit. comic con. That's been like two decades since that's happened. Like some film related stuff's happening and some actors are going and something like other, but not to announce or be involved in any promotion for a current or not anyone you care about. Um it's well <laughs> I, I care I, very I deeply no about insert name of someone who I attended. I have no here. idea who's going. Um, but like it could it's, be like my favourite person and I don't know. But they can't do promo. Yep. They can't film. Nope. So filming halted that before that day because everyone anticipated it was going to happen. Filming yeah. halted before that day. You'll notice that Barbie got all of its press done three or four days before the strike kicked yep. in. They knew what they were doing. Yep. Well done. Um, well can, done, Barbie. People can share the promo stuff that was recorded before the deadline. This Barbie is a union girl. The actors can't. 
You'll notice the actors like Hayley Atwell, for example, has been doing the rounds for Mission Impossible. Because no one else can. <laughs> no, 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 no. She, she's been doing the rounds for it like crazy whilst the publicity machine's been happening. Yeah. And then the moment the strike stopped, she's barely talked about it. Oh, uh, okay. Like, we'll retweet people talking about her performance and stuff. Mm. Uh, not retweet, so repost on Instagram stories and whatnot. But she isn't talking about it very much because it's like, nope. Solidarity. Sorry. Not happening. Solidarity. Um, it, it is, it's fascinating. And, and it means basically down, tools have been downed. Uh, here's, here's what we want to see. Because they're, of course, joining the strike in solidarity with the writers, but also to make sure that actors in that, like, 98% yeah. get paid enough to put food on the fucking table yeah. and keep a roof over their heads. Yeah, the big name striking, it's not about them. No. God, no, no. It's not about that. I mean, some of them are using their position to get in the room. There was a meeting of the studios the other day and Tom Cruise showed up yep. to basically be there on behalf of the writer, of the, the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild and be like, right, are we getting a deal or what? What's happening? <laughs> like, And when you've got that guy in the room... Advancing menacingly, <laughs> smiling all the time. No, running menacingly down the street <laughs> and then breaking his ankle but getting up and continuing to run anyway. Well, the thing is with Tom Cruise... The star power. The dude is arguably part of why cinema started to come back properly because of Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Like financially, you look at the last couple of years and you go, "That's the one that did it." And also, that's he's the part one that of did a it. big scary cult. He's also and part of a big scary cult. So he's like a massive bankable star in name, and he's a big scary scary cult guy. Yeah. So yeah, don't mess with him. He's using his power for good. It seems mm. in this instance, we, we um, think. We think. Uh, we hope. We were not. Um, <laughs> Kiflom. Uh, anyway, he could he could have he could have been on he could have been a plant. Kiflom, brother, he could be a scroll. Kiflom, uh, we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it's been as of this recording. I don't think it's been confirmed who said it. But a bunch of the studio heads met last week. Oh, it was me. I said that. On oh yeah, so. uh, oh yeah. I have little to no opinion. Ah. They met last week on a fucking yacht. A yacht. <laughs> the, the, the fucking tone deafness of it is so good. I think this was Bezos's yacht, and it's the oh, one even that, better. The it's super the one yacht. which, when calculated, uh, if you sold it yeah. right now, yeah. the money made from the sale would pay both guilds the agreed amounts that they want for the next 10 years. <sighs> one yacht. One love. Jeff. Let's get together and sell this yacht. Jeff. Can't take it with you, mate. Neither, neither to the moon or beyond the veil of death. Like, money has no value in either of those places. David DeSmolchin pointed out that in... Uh, no, not David... Oh, yeah, David DeSmolchin... Oh, I'm going to quote a couple of actors on what they've said in support here. Yeah, David DeSmolchin yeah. pointed out that in 2008, he worked on a blockbuster. True. He was paid... Um, I think he said he was paid something like... Uh, $8,000 total for his work on it mm -hmm. and in the years since has made like 30000 40000 additional from that film through residuals. Yeah. Implication of course being The Dark Knight. He yeah. did like two days work, yeah. was paid eight grand for it yeah. and has received thousands of dollars in the 14, 15 years since through yeah. residuals. It's worth it. Worth it. Worth it, fucking worth it. Because that it. film plays everywhere. It gets booked for festivals. IMAX like runs. Yeah. It sells on Blu-ray, digital, yeah. streams like crazy. Worth it, worth it, worth it. And you know, he's not everywhere and certainly wasn't at that time. So that money mm. would have helped support him and his family. Yeah. Big time. 
And everyone goes like, like 30,000 in the years since. He's, oh, he must be raking it. In the years since. In like divide years 15 years. Since. So divide 30,000 by 15. You've that's got two. 2 that's two grand a year. That's just going to help. That's savings. That's paying for the mortgage for a couple of months. It helps. That's like less than less than a lot of people's outgoings, especially yeah. in like in, in parts of the States where you need to be to be a successful actor. Mm. Like It's like the London paradox in over here. Yeah, like you need to be in London to be an act, to be a really truly like active and 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 uh, part of the acting industry at least at the start. That's what you're getting established. A, a lot more castings that are coming through on Spotlight at the minute are saying casting notes, local hires only. Local, yeah, totally. Which is like um, it, like they've just gone full mask off now. Yeah. Casting directors just going. We can't be asked covering travel or arranging dates. We yeah. want you in tomorrow. Totally. So for God's sake. So. Um, and but London is such an expensive place to live mm. that unless you're already got a solid income, well above average income, like a high income to to live in certain parts of London, then you can't be there and be available for freelance work or, or available for the opportunity to perhaps get freelance work. That's the key word. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, not that I'm bitter or anything. Uh, no, we all experiences. are. Oh, uh, no, all actors are. Yeah. It's completely fine. Um, it's the fire that fuels us and keeps us awake at I night, don't, but I, also helps us sleep. I don't consider myself part of that industry anymore, and I can't see myself being part of that industry anymore because that experience is just so. Oh, it crushes the soul. It's so horrifying. So, and and, and the and America is much the same, but instead of London, it's it's New York for the theatre scene, and it's uh, L.A. for film and TV, for the most part. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, the, the the cost of living in those places is so much proportionally higher that two grand a year will barely scratch like part of the food shop for one week. You know what I mean? Spread over the spread over a year. Mm. You know, two grand is going to be. You need monthly income of higher than that to get by. But his point there was also that that has at least been a residual yeah it's been there compared to in 2008 a netflix show that he did he oh, said yeah. he said a streaming show people narrowed it down i can't remember which one it is but it was a netflix series when netflix first started to make content i'm gonna look it up while you're talking <clears throat> and um for that show he says he has earned i think it was uh like seven thousand dollars i'm spitballing the figures here but it's roughly yeah. seven thousand dollars total Eesh. since same year so, his rights as an actor on the film, The Dark Knight, yeah. solidified him actually making money from working on that project. Yeah. Netflix show has paid nothing in in terms of, like, the overall, like, you know, paying wow. him what he's worth for mm. the amount of times it's been streamed, viewed, etc. Just really disappointing. Really disappointing. Um... Another actor who's been on the picket line since the strike started is Sean Gunn. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Sean Gunn has made it super clear that he's like, yeah, no, this is all we're, this is all the people at the top that need seeing to. Mm. Sean Gunn is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Sean Gunn is openly taking shots at Bob Iger. As, as one you know. should. Like it's very much him going, look, pff, bite the hand that feeds. The hand ain't feeding. So we're going to bite it more. Like I can't find the series. That's right. But like, the point he, he's making there is like, 
we're not going to like, oh, play nice for the bosses if the bosses aren't being nice to us in the first place. Yeah. He was quoted as saying that the money Bob Iger makes now, if it was the 80s, he'd be making 30 times what his company's lowest paid employee would be making. Yeah. So that would be secretarial staff, cleaning staff, like somebody who's not part of the production machine, but is hired by the company to perform a role maybe three or four times a week. Three or four days, straightforward thing, a bit more than minimum wage, but not part of the production, but part of the company. Yeah. The CEO would be making 30 times what they make in a year. So let's say they made today's equivalent of 16, 16 grand a year from that part time job. Yeah. yeah. So what's 16 times 30? I'm stupid. Um, many. <laughs> many, many things. Uh, <laughs> hang on. No, fuck. No, we're doing this. 16 times 10 is 160. 160. So times three is 480. 480, so 48 grand, 48 grand. a year. Yeah. And inflation, whatever, but like that would be probably equivalent to like 70 to 80 grand now a yeah. year. Um, <clears throat> we probably should look all this up, but we're not going to. Today, I'm going to verbatim. I recap last night and I'm forgetting. stand by our words. We're going to stand on this molehill. Even if they're wrong. This is the molehill. definitely This are. is the molehill we're going to die on as we sink into the little molehole in the middle. Molehole. Molehole. Um, <laughs> a CEO today of that position earns over 400 times, over 400 times what their lowest paid employee earns in a year. Yep. Why do they need all that money? See, this is the thing, right? Yeah. This is the, and this is endemic to the structure of most companies, mm, mm. if not all. I can't speak for every, absolutely every company because I haven't worked for absolutely every company, but I can certainly speak for a lot of companies, um, either from my own experience or from other people's experience. I beg your pardon. I'm prepping a thing, um, and I went the wrong way. So where, <laughs> where is all the work done? Where is uh, all the work done in a company? Lowest rungs of the ladder. Let's take let's take Amazon for example. Mm-hmm. Who does all the work that makes that happen? It's the pickers, the packers, the drivers, the stowers. Who makes the least money? The pickers, pickers the, the packers, packers, the, the drivers, packers, the, drivers, the, drivers, stowers, the yeah. yeah. Stowers, what a lovely name. Stowers. Who makes got paid more? the most the money? Name. Jeffrey Bezos. Well, the current CEO, which is not Jeff anymore. Although Jeff yeah, is yeah. still making money off for other reasons. Wealth generates wealth. What do they do? Fuck all. What do they actually do? What Fuck does all. their day-to-day look like? They show up places in a suit, go, very good, and then they I'm, leave. I'm, I'm not even saying this is a gotcha. I'm not being like, yeah. well, what do you do? I'm, not, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I want to know what it is well, that I, they do on a day-to-day basis to I facilitate to the a, of that company. I facilitate a public relationship with the company and its brand. Do you? No, but yeah. what is that? What is that, though? What is that? Um, How is that generating... Well, they know my name, right, and... So, so, and how is that generating uh, income for the company? Isn't is it? So why <laughs> do they have the largest slice of the compensation? Satan. It, it, it just it just it's as good a mind. reason as any. It makes no sense to me. No matter which way I slice it. It, it, it just makes no sense as a concept to pay the most to the person who... Again, and again, please prove me wrong. To, to pay the most to the person who contributes the least to the success of that venture. 
Charisma Carpenter uh, of Angel and Buffy fame put a thing out that said you would hope that there'd come a time in someone's life, someone who's made millions, that they would see their children thriving. Yeah. They would have enough put away for any eventuality. They would win a couple of accolades for the work they've done to get where they are and then say, this is enough. You would hope. You would hope. And it's like, no. No, they'd just buy a fucking yacht. And on a this yacht... yacht than anyone's ever fucking built before. On this yacht that is staffed by hundreds of people, the lowest of which are paid fucking pittance, because that leaked out last year, didn't it? That oh, yeah, leaked. of course. Yeah. Because Jeffrey Bezos famously pays his employees well. That's what Amazon is absolutely well known for. Just going just gonna to sheepishly put this box that arrived over Come here. Come show me that, show me that. One second. That. Careful with that side yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See that? See that? That's what we. That's what we. That's what we have. We have smiles. We turn them upside down. We frown them. What do we do? People who order from Amazon, we beat them with it. We beat them with it. Yeah, but this was six quid. So I mean, yeah, I, I eat a lot of stuff from Amazon all the time. I try and avoid it. Um, after work, after working there. In case you hadn't figured that one out, folks. After working there. Hey, you can actually uh, say that now. There's been enough time yeah. between then and now for you to go. Yeah, fuck them. Can't Go back and listen to old episodes of Big Damn Cast and listen to the I, the passive-aggressive references to his workplace where he's being real vague. Now you know. Absolute hellhole. I feel so sorry for every fucker who has to be part of that grinding machine. Every person who is a cog in that machine. I, I, I hate it. And I hate that our site has progressed to the point where so many things that you need slash want, you have to go through channels, either that or like that, to get them. It's a societal issue, you know what I mean? Like, um, they've, monop- they've monopolised the idea of the entire thing, essentially, of home delivery yeah. for every occasion. They've monopolised it. See, I, I until know- a competitor comes around and shows that there's someone who's ethical as well. Yeah people aren't going to have an alternative to move to. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. So yeah. all I can do going forward with my life currently... It sees the means of production. Is, <laughs> is try and live that life as ethically as possible and work towards a solution wherever I can. I can't fix it overnight. I can't just stop working. You know? I, it doesn't work. My day job at the minute in the second interview, they said, so why do you want to work here? And I said, besides capitalism dictating how my life works i just outright said that say it i said well this store in the pandemic was the first one to help people out and and they were like okay and they took that bullshit reason as the and i meant it but they took that reason as the oh right so he likes the shop but it's like yeah but also because they need money yeah that's why i want to work here no matter how much you know we might like our day jobs i don't um well (laughs) no matter how much i might like my 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 own day job most of it um then I <laughs> notice how he's not commenting. I, 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 In a few years' time, when he does a different job, we'll tell you which I job he was working. Cannot talk about it. That is like a, a big, an there is thing. actual NDA uh, yeah. levels of like. Yeah, um, I, I have to be very careful with my presence on the internet. I don't mean to go rid of Twitter. Um, uh, should I really been in this show? Uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if I get in trouble. Um, I doubt it. Just don't even fucking watch it. Uh, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> Boss um, pulls you aside in two weeks. Yeah. He's like, so I was watching this That's thing. I was watching this thing. <laughs> like, oh, you're fine. Nice. Uh, Notice so, how all the derogatory comments were made by the other guy. Yeah, You'll say, um, not me. Here's the thing. <laughs> Even as much as I, and, and I and I do, I do, I do love my day job. He does love um, his job. I do. Um, <laughs> it's still a job. Yeah. And ultimately, the reason I still do it, although I, you know there is an enjoyment there, if I didn't have to do it to you know provide income for my family i probably wouldn't do it like as much as i do like it you know i mean um, you could just become a hunter gatherer yeah you know you totally. could just do that so i have to, it up. i have to conform to some sort of you know societal expectations but that doesn't mean that i can't recognize that a there are problems mm. and b want to fix them um and see, work wherever possible, work towards the fixing of them, which is why I support things like unionization and industrial action and strikes. You know, as, as go on. Do you remember when this podcast was about comic books and films? Yeah, and then and then like, so I think do you know what I've, I realized? We we became way more about discussing social political stuff alongside pop culture. Yeah, around twenty twenty. Oh, funny that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like there's, there's like a break from the daft. Like, we, you know, we still have a good time, but like, I mean, we have a very good time. The, the discussions have become way more serious. Yeah, <laughs> the discussions have become way more serious since we've seen people's true colours a yeah. lot more. It's been fascinating, and I'm, I'm happy for it. Which is why it culminates in this. One of those billionaires on that yacht was quoted as saying, and I, I, as far as I know, we don't know who exactly, but the belief is it was Bob Iger of Disney that they would happily keep denying terms of the strike until people start losing their homes and sign out of desperation. I mean, which is a bold um, thing to say, because that's assuming that people aren't already losing their homes because they can't afford to live yeah, on I mean, what you're paying. The, the Writers them. Guild have organisations set up where people paid in over the years prior. Yeah. Uh, and also people outside of the Writers Guild have paid in yeah. donations that is helping to pay bills yeah. for people who are really struggling in a certain yeah. um, certain financial line, um, which is amazing. Like the, the, the preemptive level of support that they all had for each other, but it will start to run out. There will be people struggling right now. There will be people who are having to get another job whilst they're on well, strike this is before to the make strikes. it work. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of them will already have had other work and as well. But specifically like, yeah. for Disney, yeah. look at the success of the Bear. One of the writers on the Bear. Couldn't, despite you know them winning an Emmy, mm-hmm. couldn't send that ceremony because they were homeless at the time. Yeah, because they weren't being paid enough to support themselves. The writer of the Daredevil episode of She-Hulk has made it known they only got paid about six hundred bucks and they've seen nothing else since. The most guaranteed, without the figures being released, guaranteed the most watched episode of that season. Oh, oh absolutely. Unless it had a like, massive first episode and then a big drop-off and then it... But either way, there was going to be a big episode of that series. That, oh, I've been watching that, that series! That Regardless! Was, that, was the, that was the one that brought in a whole other fan base from yeah. a different show to come and check out that episode. Yeah, like, totally. You know, and it's like, they got paid like 600 bucks and they've not seen anything else since. Uh, it's like, fuck me sideways. That's like, UK, that's like 400 and something quid. Listen, Frogman deserves better. <laughs> I've dropped Bumblebee now. you dropped Bumblebee. But, um... Humblebee. Humblebee. The humble brag of Humblebee. One actor who's not afraid to basically say, fuck you, and this was, I think, pre-strike of the actors. I mean, this is just, yeah, generally. Is Ron Perlman um, of, I always say, of Beauty and the Beast fame, 
and forget Key that not everyone, not everyone listening, it's literally the least well-known thing he's ever done to people of a certain age in the English language. If you're like, <laughs> if you're like forty and above, you like, oh yeah, I remember that. But like everyone else, did it exist? Yeah, it's him and Linda Hamilton. I, I think it, I think this is a Mandela effect thing. I don't think Beauty and the Beast ever existed. Hellboy, I, Sons of Anarchy's own Ron Perlman had this to say. Police Academy Seven, Ron Perlman. Who said we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their houses and their apartments? Listen to me, mother. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. Some of it is financial, some of it is karma, and some of it is just figuring out who the said that, and we know who said that, and where he lives. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people. You wish that families starve while you're making $27 million a year for creating nothing? Be careful, mother. Be really careful. Because that's the kind of that stirs up. Peace out. I mean, based... I want him to read bedtime stories to my child. I want him to read threats to corporate um, CEOs to my child. The, the problem is, is like, how do you make good on that threat? You know what I mean? Well, the thing is, he can't, but he's making that, like... He's also being vaguely... He's obviously going to be like, I wasn't inciting violence. <laughs> but he's he's essentially making a tonal point. It's true. Of, you it's have true. just revealed who you are by saying you are happy for families to be homeless. You have just revealed who you are. Like, we are not... Go- he's essentially saying, we are not going away. And, you and know, we are not going away until we get what we want, and you are fucking nothing. Like, that's what he's basically saying. Like, this, what we're about to achieve here will outlive you and your fucking greed. And it's like, let's hope, let's hope that, or he will just, like, you know, Molotov cocktail Bob Iger's mansion. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't step to Ron Perlman, would you? I think the police, the police would show up and, like, see that. Yeah, he's like, he's like, what now? 78, 79, matter. built like a brick shit house, about eight foot tall. <laughs> and you'd walk in, you just go, Yeah, I'm not I'm not arresting Hellboy. Beat the piss out of me with his giant right hand. I'm like no, that's just that's just what his normal hand's like. It's swollen because he's got arthritis. He still looks like he could pack a mean punch. <laughs> oh, definitely. He's made made of rocks and bones and cigars. Oh my god. Just oof. Yeah. I I mm, love him. Love him, love him, love him, love him. So, support the strike, and that applies to any strike, railway, teachers, NHS, fucking support them. It's inconvenient. Because you'd want them to support you. If you were being shagged over, you'd want them to support you. We all clap the NHS. I didn't, because I'm not a performative weirdo. Week one, Um, week two, it was a gesture to the people nearby. That was the whole point. It was like... It was people going, hey, wouldn't this be cute? You know someone near you is a nurse or, not, you know, Not whatever. to be that guy, but I saw that bullshit for what it was immediately. Well, that was the... It, and like, I did not jump on that Week, week three, when Boris Johnson mentioned it, I was like, right, everyone stop. And yeah. round here, no one did it again. Because it, it was, you know, you guys are trying to go, we're all in this together without actually solving the problem then, of hiring more people to do this job and paying them better and giving them the PPE that they need. Turn around and shit on them. Yeah. Like, immediately. Yeah. Um, and continue to do so. Yeah. So, yeah, don't tell me. Don't tell me that that was for them. 
Oh, God, no. Yes, is it inconvenient for trains to be all weird? Yes. Very. Is it inconvenient for there not to be enough workers on staff uh, at the hospital? Absolutely. Would you want them to support you if you were on strike for being mistreated? Yes. So you've got no excuse. Support strikes always. And if you can join union, join union. Yeah. Huzzah. Um, To much happier things. Um, Well... Tell me. Tell me about what happier things. Don Miguel of El... Tell me me what happier things you've got to move on for. Spider-Man 2 story trailer. Yeah, that's pretty good. It looks pretty astounding. I, I have little to nothing to say about it other than, yeah, it looks pretty good. Because I was going to say you weren't the Spider-Man player in your house, were you? It was uh, I have, I have since played, played it. it. You I played have it. Since played it. Yeah. But Keeks was the Keeks was the that was yeah. like she plays. You sit down and watch Keeks play. I've not played Miles Morales, but again, mm. a similar experience where I've, I've seen most of that game. It's beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it is. And it's weird that this is called Two. It should have a different title, but whatever. Um, Spider Man. <sighs> I mean, Venom's in it. Spider, so that'd be three Spider-Men. Spider-Boys, two men. Spider-Yeah-Boys. But, but as had a growth spurt. Had a growth spurt. And has a new haircut. Um, I like it. It's weird because it's like, yeah, we haven't had a story reveal. You, we've just gleaned what we could from the Craven teaser and the original teaser monologue trailer um, with Peter and Miles fighting criminals and then Venom in the alleyway. And we've been able to sort of I mean, guess what the story is, and now we finally get a... Yeah, here you go. The story is what we thought the story was going to be, which mm. is Venom. Well, and that's Ven- all you Venom, need. Venom's endgame, I think. I have... Endgame. I have some weird observations about this. Tell I'm me. looking forward Talk to, to it. Talk to me. I'm really looking forward to it. Positives out of the way now, because I'm... Yeah. I, yeah. Holy shit, the gliding and the catapulting mechanics look glorious. Mm. Um, the fact we're going to be switching between Miles and Peter... Mm. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> glimpse of Wraith in the trailer. Mm. Uh, glimpse of Martin Lee. Love that. So Mr. Negative's in it again. Love that for you. Uh, the previous teaser alluded to Tombstone rocking up again. Um, Taskmaster rocking up again. Yeah. Black Cat rocking up again. Yeah, so that. like, yes, bring back some recurring characters from the last one and the last two. Um uh, fiddle dee uh, oh, Rhino as well. Um, Wino. Craven looks fantastic. Wido, Rhino, ah. um, Craven in this game looks fantastic. Craven. Um, Venom sounds brilliant. Tony fucking Todd is Tony the voice of Venom, Todd, and he said baby. he did some mocap for it. So I think, I think, that's interesting. I think probably, uh, they record- sounds old as fuck. Now. I think probably facially recording, okay, so they could get kind of the mannerisms and the the little intonations and that in there. Because okay. um, right. I, I can't imagine Tony Todd leaping around a green screen studio. I mean, not without on grey blocks, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> unless Venom's going to do a Sam Jackson in Secret Invasion, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> yeah. we'll get Venom there. enters a room and instantly sits down. Um, so, <laughs> 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 we'll get there. Mm, tell me more. Um, uh, but like, so yeah, uh, the story: Harry Osborn is back from Europe. Osborn, um, as MJ learned in the last one, he'd gone to be cured of a, of an illness. Uh, did a, a um, inherited one that he got from his late mother Emily, and. Uh, but he's back. While and there, befriended a young uh, Michael Morbius, who named Milo. Uh, no. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no. Hey, do you remember in Morbius when he looks after that sick child and he induces them into a coma and then they never return to it again? Anyway. Have sex! Have sex! <laughs> um, oh, God. Hey, do you remember when that, even that kid that tries exists. to ask Carlton Drake a question in Venom? And Carlton Drake goes, this is great. You're like forward thinking and you're curious and that's what will lead us to a better future. And then doesn't answer the kid's question and the scene moves on because the kid never gets to answer the qu- ask the question. Fucking hell. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Harry and Peter are going to team up to work together on a thing which spins out of the research station stuff in the first one, really, that they're going to work together to make the world a better place. Peter. Um, <laughs> Peter. Uh, hey, hey, <laughs> Where's your boat? Over there with Bezos. Um, so there's that. Uh, Miles and Martin Lee are going to butt heads again at some point. Yeah. Um, and Spidey gets the black costume, the symbiote, which turns him into a villain. And at some point, toward the end, it looks like it may be Harry and the symbiote become one. And that's Venom, which is fine. Um, no, Eddie Brock. Look, they're streamlining the story, and that's fine. Like, I trust them after the first two entries. Who like, cares about Eddie Brock? Well, the first three entries, City That Never Sleeps was a whole extra storyline. So like, I trust them. They can do whatever the hell they want. Um, Nobody cares about Eddie Brock. No, you could do it. Except Tom Hardy. If you really want to, you could do Eddie in a future game if you wanted to have Venom be an element in there and you could introduce Eddie into that story and then him and the Sim- whatever. But for this, works fine. Yeah. Meanwhile, the recurring antagonist of the game, it's the last time they buried the lead, minor spoilers, they buried the lead. Mr. Negative was the villain. And then you play the game, and in Act 3, he's not. He was, he's not the main antagonist. It's someone else. Mm -hmm. In this one, it looks like they're going, look, up front, your third act antagonist is Venom. Until that point, it is Kraven the Hunter. And he shows up to New York looking for a challenge and wants to fight all these supervillains and the Spider-Men, and yeah, great. He's craving Um, a hunt. In-game things that are making me feel weird. They've changed MJ's face model. Uh, the face models are weird. I don't like. Them. Like she so looks back to the old ones. Well, that's the thing. She looks great as a like a CG character, but I'm so used to MJ from the first yeah, game. Yeah, I want her to look like that. It's really weird. Same you know, same actor. Laura Bailey's playing her again because there's only like ten actors in video games in the states. Uh, she's amazing, but like, there's got to be more people. Um, I won't be surprised if Troy Baker's playing everyone else. It's true. Um, Additional voices. With a cameo by Nolan North. Um, and Peter's face model is the same as the as the Miles Morales change up slash remaster of the first game, which makes him look like a but for some reason child. with a wider neck. Yeah. It's like, huh? Um, but not in the costume. In the costume, he looks like Spider Man from the first game in a well, slightly yeah, different costume. He hides his costume in his neck. He webs it up like a little neck brace. Costume. He chokes himself while he's fighting crime. It's his kink. Costume is stored in the neck. <laughs> he likes to give himself just a little. He calls it caradining. Car- he just he just likes to. The Hutchins maneuver. Ah, Jesus. Um, we're so going to hell. <laughs> we're bad people. When we get down there, they'll be waiting, going, "You're right." <laughs> ah, ah, ooh, ah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> tell me the good news. So, um, Let's just rewind that. And we're, I'm keeping that in. <laughs> what? I, if your employer's watching this whole episode. I want them to see that you were here for this and said it was a bad thing. So you're in the clear. I'll apologise by pulling out a ukulele. Um, do you know about that shit? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Holy shit. Don't. Let's carry on where we are. <laughs> can't get dragged into something else. All aboard. Okay, so... Um, 
MJ's face model's different. Peter's is the same different one as original, but it looks kind of out of place in a really weird way. Um, but I've also noticed something here. I trust Insomniac to deliver a good story, but I'm opening what I call the Sony Conspiracy Box. You ready? Put Venom on a lunchbox. That was Avi Arad there, just peeking his head out. Someone at Sony, not necessarily at Sony Gaming, PlayStation, not even necessarily like in the Spider-Man office overseeing stuff. Someone at Sony who loves Spider-Man, probably Avi Arad, pure speculation, loves certain ideas so much that they put those ideas onto every person making a Spider-Man thing. What do I mean by this? Off the top of your head... Little thought experiment. Please describe to me Norman Osborn from Marvel Comics. Who's Norman Osborn? Um, depending on who's drawing him. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, allegedly. Uh, uh, we see you, yeah, Mike okay. Diardo Jr. Okay, dear that <laughs> Yeah, all right. Um, so he is a very clever science man mm-hmm. who owns a very big science company. Yes. And does loads of sciencey things, but one of his sciencey things makes him mad strong, but also a bit loopy, like unstable. Affects the chemistry of his brain. Uh, it affects something to sort um, of be almost a borderline second persona, and so becomes just agent of chaos, criminal mastermind. Delete as appropriate. Whatever, <laughs> whatever plot demands him to be. Uh, Green Goblin, supervillain, glider, broom originally. Yeah. Um, pumpkin bombs ah cackle 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 i'm nasty and you know depending on the writer over the years it's been how much of it is uh a split personality, split personality how much of it how, how much it was in him how much of it was in him to begin with mm. how much of it has come out of the stuff he's been putting into himself for years uh what was his what, what's one of one of his like most famous moments for example the first one that comes to mind oh throwing gwen stacy off uh, a bridge and, and leading to a death Yes, which also leads to Norman's death in the exact same storyline. Yeah. So, someone at Sony is obsessed with the bridge. It shows up in nearly every adaptation of Spider-Man that features a Green Goblin. I mean, listen, Chris, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. but Spider-Man's set in New York. Right, but... New York is a city famous but for its many bridges. 2002, Spider-Man. Yeah. Every hero is faced with a sadistic choice. Let die the woman you love or suffer the little children. On what fucking bridge? That bridge. Right. MJ thrown off the bridge. Which bridge? Brooklyn Bridge. Brooklyn Bridge. Originally not. Is it the Brooklyn Bridge? But then it's it's misnamed. And then uh, it's, it's the Brooklyn Bridge originally in the comic. But they called it like the Williamsburg Bridge. Or they called it one of the other ones. And then later on... They, rec- they corrected it to the Brooklyn Bridge. It wasn't meant to be the Brooklyn Bridge, but that's the one that was used for reference. So they rec- Anyway, it's one of the very few retcons in Spider-Man. It's one of the many bridges yeah. in New York. It's a bridge. In reprints of The Death of Gwen Stacy, it's been corrected to Brooklyn Bridge in the Brooklyn dialogue bridge. as well. But anyway, that features in that film. Gwen Stacy Falling features in Amazing Spider-Man 2, with a, a film with a Green Goblin in it. Yeah. Um, the bridge will show up as a recurring motif throughout a lot of Spidey stuff. Someone's obsessed with that bridge. And, and using that bridge as a dramatic point. You see, for me, that's just a bit like showing okay. the Golden Gate Bridge that's or something a, yeah, that's no, no, in San true, Francisco. True, like, but that's, that's, like, that's a tiny thing. That's a tiny thing. Okay, okay, okay. okay? Yeah. Norman Osborn is billionaire industrialist, scientist, evil, supervillain, yeah. cackly, ha ha ha. Ah! 
aside from the Willem Dafoe version, every adaptation since has depicted him only as that only once, to my money. And that's the cartoon called Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man. Now, he's the big, scary, demon-y one, like in the Ultimate comic that the cartoon takes its name from. Yeah. But he's fully in control of his own mind. He wears tech. He rides a glider. Um, he's a glider rider. In, in Spectacular Spider-Man, the best Spider-Man adaptation ever made, um, it is. Um, it fucking is. <laughs> I ain't gonna argue. Um, I don't care. How dare you? <laughs> Norman Osborn is in it. He's Harry's dad. He's the head of Oscorp. And the Green Goblin starts to show up in the show. Uh, the mystery throughout sort of part of the later season one's arc is who the hell's this guy? Peter puts two and two together. It's Norman. He confronts Norman, and Norman and Spider Man are attacked by the Green Goblin. Mm. We learn, spoilers for a 15 year old cartoon that is all on Disney Plus right now, is one block, and you should go and watch it. Um, unless Sony have taken it off like they have done the, the movies. This past week, so maybe it's somewhere else. It's really dumb. You know, Secret Invasion was like, what to watch next? Spider-Man Far From Home. Notice how this week it was Captain Marvel. Not because it's more appropriate. It's because the Spider-Man movies have been taken off again. Oh, good. Freaking hell. Um, buy physical media, folks, if you want to watch the things you like. Buy it. Um, so, in that, Harry is the Green Goblin. Yeah. He They, they do the drug addiction storyline from the comics, melded with him trying to fit in with the jock storyline. Yeah. He's taking the performance announcer Globulin Green, because fuck yeah, Globulin Green. Globulin Green. He's taking that, and it's, it's been warping him, and the Goblin becomes a thing separate from it, but that it, that's who he is. So that cartoon uses you, the viewer's expectation, and Peter's expectation in the story to pull a fast one on you and be like, no, it's not Norman. <laughs> Norman's still kind of uncaring, he's still a douche, and he's still helping Tombstone fund experiments that create supervillains as a distraction. Mm. So he's not a good guy, but he's not the Goblin. Um, so that one's fine, but he's not the Goblin. In the Amazing Spider-Man movies, Norman Osborn is not the Goblin. He's a faceless billionaire in the first film that you never see. Literally faceless. Yeah, like you, the one time you see him in a big graphic, he's shaded in like he's a mystery figure, even though the film doesn't play him like a mystery figure. So it's like, wow. why would you do that? That would be that would be like, you know, um, Mickey Mouse being at all the Disney theme parks, partially covered every time you see him. Yeah. Because they want to retain the mystery. He's like, stealthy mouse. He's, he's, a, he's a fucking mouse. We, he's stealthy mouse. Stealthy mouse. <laughs> And he's like creeping, but really can't please. Yeah, that's what he's, mice do. He, he's mincy mouse. Mice, mice, are, mice, mi are, mice are timid and and stealthy creatures by nature. Mm, timid mouse. Um, welcome to our new item, timid mouse. Um, anyway, continue because I'd like to get to the end, this he, point before the end of next week. He's a dying billionaire who, when we finally meet him, played by Chris Cooper in the second film, is crusty with pointy ears and long nails in a bed, dying from a degenerative disease that turns him into a monster and then he dies and Harry suddenly discovers he's also got it and is now going to die in a week even though his dad lived for like 70 years. I'm not seeing the point. Where are we, where are we going with this? In the, in the original ending for the film of which scraps of footage survive online, Mr. Fear walking through that room yeah, of supervillain-like DIY yeah. kits was going to reveal Norman's head in a jar, still alive, not the Green Goblin, but alive in a jar that, for reasons. Yeah, whatever. So another adaptation that's gone... Oh, let's not, do, let's not do the Green Goblin. That's boring. Um, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon eventually got replaced by the Spider-Man cartoon, in which his story's changed again. Uh, the only time since we've had him similar to how he is in the comics is in the return of Defoe's incarnation in Spider-Man No Way Home. 
Yeah. So that's just because it's the version that was it's, like that originally. It's wonderful, yeah. Um, and then in Spider-Man 2018 and the mid-credits of Miles Morales from 2020, he's the mayor of New York, the former uh, head scientist at Oscorp, now just the CEO and public face of it, but he's the mayor of New York. Oh, she's getting paid the most. And he cares deeply for his son and he's looking out for his son who has a degenerative disease and that's it. And it's uh, like, okay. what is going on here? Someone at Sony has a hard-on for the idea of never quite doing the Green Goblin for some reason and an Osborne having a degenerative disease. Who's Harry Osborne? Bullet point version. Who's Harry Osborne? Uh, he is... Norman Osborn's son, yep. Peter's busy mate, yep. who is devastated to learn that his father was the Goblin and then yep. often becomes the Goblin himself, but sometimes not really. When the comics became the Goblin, yeah. makes the right call in his dying moments to actually do the right thing and set everything straight, has come back in the comics since due to Joe Quesada bullfuckery, but like, you know. Due to stuff. And some, and that has been handled well by some writers and fucking destroyed by others. Like literally everyone. And character. don't even don't even look into Kindred, folks. Just look at look at Kindred and go... Oh, that looks cool. And then leave it alone. Cool. It's not worth your time. Um, do you know the whole thing with Kindred? Let's not get into it. Ma- bullet point version, mild spoiler alert. Kindred is the Harry Osborn that died. Let's continue while I process that. Pre-brand new day. Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, because Mephisto's involved. Uh-huh. Anyway. I said no. I said, yeah. I said, I said no. And yeah. you said, said anyway. Why? Because I don't want you. To no re- I don't want you to ever waste time reading the Nick Spencer I to, run. I have to deal with that now. Read, read up to the second arc with Boomerang, no, and I then d- put it down forever. I think I did read that far, and then put it down forever. Actually, to be fair. Um, and I was going to say, but don't worry, it gets better. I don't know if it does. I'm still not loving Amazing Spider-Man. Well, let's, anyway, um, the Tombstone stuff's been good though. Anyway, um, Harry Osborn in the Sam Raimi movie trilogy. Peter's best friend, yeah. Norman's sort of um, emotionally abused son yeah. who he doesn't like. Um, his dad dies. He doesn't know who did it, but he thinks he thinks Spider-Man did it. He has no idea about the Goblin thing. He eventually learns about it, and two become one. He becomes the Goblin to get revenge on Spider-Man, eventually dying in a heroic sacrifice where he does the right thing in the end. Yes. His costume's shit, but it's, it's the comic book character, right? In the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, he's the first Goblin. Fine, great subversion, played well, very untrue to the character in terms of his behaviours. Mm-hmm. In Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, he becomes Venom. Alright. Yep. Okay. In The Amazing Spider-Man 2, he's the first Green Goblin. Yeah. But because he has a degenerative disease. Yeah. And yeah. needs a suit to keep himself alive. Weird. Weird movie. Right? Weird movie. Okay. Uh, I don't know what happens with him eventually in Spider-Man, the cartoon that replaced Ultimate Spider-Man, but I know he's part of like the school of geniuses that is the whole thing in that. Pete's part of a school of geniuses, and that's how he meets Gwen Stacy, who becomes Ghost Spider, and Miles Morales, who becomes the second Spider-Man, because they just want to rush all of that together. You've got to get it all in there, And yeah. young student Otto Octavius, who becomes the spe- the superior Spider-Man. You've got to get it all like, in there. got to get sake. it all in there. Oh, God's Got to have it. Got to put it in there. Spider-Verse, you're responsible for some incredible things and a lot of unnecessary clout chasing after the fact. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Harry Osborn in the games was apparently in Europe studying. Apparently. But was actually dying of a degenerative disease. Cool, cool. Undergoing a experimental medical procedure in a tank in Oscorp's, uh, in the apartment at the top of Oscorp that Norman lives More in. like an Abrams tank. Yeah, with... 
Oh, look, the experimental technique is like a, like a, with a, gun, a living black... No. Like with a turret. No. <laughs> a living black goo is the thing keeping him alive. So it's a suit that is keeping him alive, pre- preventing his death from a degenerative disease, and based on this story trailer, will turn him into Venom. There's some really weird, like, I want to do that, ballpoint, bull points, uh, bullet points going on at Sony for bull Spider-Man. Points, points, because these things keep happening. It's and it's really weird. It's really, really weird that these things keep happening instead of using the source material to tell a story like with every, except every other character. Yeah. It's pretty much being kept to the source material for the most part in a way where you're like, yeah, I've always wanted to see that in this kind of setting. But no, like the the Osborns for some reason have to have degenerative diseases and become either Mare or Venom. It's like, what is this? I'm going to say something very controversial now. Uh, is it three words? You know exactly what they're going to be. I don't care. Hey! Who else cares? Me! Who else cares? Spider-Man's my boy. That's right. Who, does anyone who matters care? Wow. <laughs> You've changed. I've changed into a truck. Uh, no, I. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> into a scroll. And into a scroll. Um, uh, so n- let's let's plow see, let's plow into our final no, I filth. Think, I think it's, it's an interesting point you raise. I just don't. It, it doesn't yeah. bother me. You know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think I think if it was once a change of what their arc is, I wouldn't care. Norman in the first game perfectly facilitated in the story. His history with Otto, it all makes sense. Like, there's hints to the goblin-esque nature of stuff. Ah. More so in, like, that um, the drone tech that he's working on for yeah, Sable yeah, International. There, Especially that metal framework for the helmet, where, yeah. like, the, the gap in it looks like a big fuck-off grin. Yeah. You're like... Ah! The, Pumpkin a, bombs. Yeah. Like, you know, they're obviously leaning into it as, if it became Norman or not, we have an option. Yeah, And it's like, cool. But... It's it's just weird. It's one of those where it's like if I had a nickel for every time Norman Osborn's family had a degenerative disease that required a symbiote to keep it at bay, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened, it happened twice. twice. Like um, it's that kind of thing. It's sort of who there doesn't like the idea of Norman being the goblin in the comics right now. Yeah, Norman is a good guy. At the end of the Nick Spencer run, a thing goes on with Kindred and all this that, and the other, where Norman's essentially his. Buffy season... He gets Buffy yeah. season sevened. Well, he, essentially, the, his soul gets returned to him and he the, regrets everything he's ever done. And now he's the head of Oscorp, has employed Peter during a difficult time. Peter's a bit wary, but is accepting of the help. Yeah. And moonlights as a vigilante called the Gold Goblin. It's as shit as it sounds. Yeah, that's awful. But like... I don't like that. Norman's all. now a good guy in the comics. And well, I'm like, why? And, and this is what I think it is. And it, it's going to also um, tie into our next point a little bit. Uh, so anything that's been going for long enough and yeah. been adapted enough times, you're going to see repeated approaches to making the material work in other mediums, for better or worse. Mm. Um, and I think because Spider-Man has been around for so long and a lot of these characters have been around for so long and have been adapted so many times, all we're seeing is just different people's approach to that, sort of taking the same cues. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but by the same token, I don't think it would necessarily be better mm. by hewing closer to the original source material. Oh, I understand. Adaptation is the key word. It's just weird that these adaptations have 
preferences for what they want to do with the Osborns. I think it's I think it's a combination of a <clears throat> uh, infinite number of monkeys, infinite number of typewriters, but yeah. can, but condensed down to you know the the, the many 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 adaptations they've been in the last forty years of Spider Man, uh, but also Ooh. taking the other new writers taking cues from stuff that they feel works about the old one, rather than rather than someone that's only going. I want him to have a degenerate. That's not Javier Rad, by the way. Uh, but it is. You can tell um, it wasn't Javier Rad because he wasn't wearing a beanie yeah. with the Venom symbol so, on it. Um, yeah, so, so I don't think there's someone that's only going like, no, he can't be the Goblin. He has to have a weird degenerative disease and that's how we're going to make... I think it's more like the writers on the Insomniac going, yeah, I really like that about the spectacular version. Uh, not the uh, spectacular, the ultimate version. I really like that. Let's do that. Let's take that in it. I think that's more likely what it is. Well, that's the other thing too. I trust Insomniac. The the store, the first three stories, the original game, City well, that never sleeps. I'm, I'm glad as storytellers, as storytellers, the original game, City that never sleeps, and Miles Morales. I think wove three really, really yeah. brilliant stories. You know, the main game of Miles Morales more so, but even City that never sleeps toyed with your emotions with the Felicia story in part one going into two, and and it was like, well done, team. So I trust them to deliver the best story possible. Specifically, with the inclusion of Craven and Venom as the main villains, because this also feels like a you better put these two in the game because these two are our big franchises that we want to make big at the box office. So the more Craven, because Craven's coming That's out true. the same month this game comes out, I can see that we want Craven front and center, and we want Venom ever present because he gives Arad a really big hard on. Like we want them ever present. I trust them to make them Insomniac to make these characters work better than the films, obviously. Well, that's the key thing, because they're yeah. up against Spider-Man, the entire reason yeah. why they're compelling yeah. in the first place. Yeah, those movies. Part of the reason that those movies don't work as well is because they don't have Spider-Man in them, and they are about Spider-Man villains. Have you ever wondered why they call me the Rhino? No, no, fuck Literally off. Literally never, because um, you're a big fucking Rhino man. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, you know how in Venom, Venom fought a more evil Venom. And in Morbius, Morbius fought a more evil Morbius. And in Venom, like there be carnage, Venom fought another more evil Venom. Have you noticed in the trailer, Craven's going to fight a more evil Craven? <laughs> Fucking hell! Here's the thing, Chris. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to come across as slightly dismissive, which is unusual because most of the stuff I say to you comes across as enormously dismissive. Um, <laughs> You're always so warm and and uh, and it's, accepting. It's, yeah. I, <laughs> I think you might be overthinking a little bit. Yeah. And I know that is what you'd like to do. Speaking of overthinking it, Matt has some thoughts on Secret Invasion. Now, this might not be overthinking. That was a facetious segue, because I don't know what he's about to say. But let's talk about Secret Invasion a little bit. So, we are five episodes in. Yeah, spoilers for the first five episodes. Spoilers As of this recording, episode six isn't out. We're not marking spoilers. Unmarked spoilers from this point onwards for Secret Invasion. Woo! I um, played with my nipple to get all the shy people to go away. It's not that I want it to be more like the comics version. No, because it can't be. But Yeah, because they yeah. can't do it. But I am slightly concerned that the writers love killing women. There is like, a... Yeah, there is a larger like, percentage of female characters being killed off than male ones. And, and, this, and this is a personal thing for me, but I am also slightly concerned that the writers love killing the characters I'm most interested in. Maria Hill. Maria Hill. Talos. Talos. They did a fake out with Gaia, which I knew was coming, but still, mm. th- that um, 
it felt weird at the time because it, it was like, weird. you really doing this? Yeah. Like, Kobe Smulders and Amelia Clark are in the show. Now they're not in the show. Oh. And for a the, week, it was like, I guess they're both gone. Oh, at least one of them's back. Okay, there was fine. a moment in the most recent episode where, yeah. where Gaia goes to Fury. Uh, Fury's wife. We'll table that. We'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> where, where, um, where <laughs> you know, the, the assassins finally come for her. I'm like... <laughs> no, it's when, it's when Gaia first goes to the house and, it, and there's like, quote unquote, no one there. Hmm. And I, I turned to Keisha and I said, if she's dead, I'm going to turn this show off right now. <laughs> Because you're like, that I is three care. primary female characters yeah. killed off and not a single male. Well, Talos. to be fair, Talos had by that. It was confirmed he was dead by that yeah, point. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. Um, dead. But still, the ratio. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, also, what was the best thing about the show so far? It was Ben oh, Mendelsohn. I mean, I mean, hang on, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> it was Ben Mendelsohn. Talos' wife dies ahead of the series. Talos' wife was already dead. Yeah. He's off screen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's there's some uncom- there's something uncomfortable about that for me. It's a bit weird. Like, it's either... There's that inbuilt, deeply rooted, grown up on seventies and eighties action film Hollywood misogyny yeah. thing at play here, yeah. where they don't even like they they know they're doing it because these are the tropes we've grown up on. Yeah. Like the girlfriend always gets killed, they lose the damsel, the femme fatale gets murdered, well, no. or they don't realize that there's a big ratio of of female like well, deaths think... as as plot points or as or as you know. I think there's fringy there moments. Is a, there is a and that's almost worse because no one's looked over it and gone. Yeah. Can we not change I, this? I think there's an oblivious, yeah. obliviousness to it there. But it's also done. They just straight up tell you why they're doing it. Because Graphic just like literally turns around and goes, yeah, I, I killed Maria Hill to make you feel bad. I'm mm. like, oh, that, now, that's just a writer's talking. <laughs> like, which, which again, like if it was, if it was the purpose it's used for later of, no, I, I killed her with your face. To like fuck your world up in every possible way, and I've taken your friend away from you. You'd at least kind of go, okay, it's a strategic move, but then the majority of deaths being female lead characters around yeah. it means that it's one of many, it just, and it's a, I just did this to hurt you. So you killed the female character off to hurt the male character. It just feels weird. It just okay. feels a bit weird. Yeah, like later on, it's like, oh no, the purpose was also to frame him as part of this thing. Yeah. And it's like him killing his only long-running colleague that publicly is known to be his colleague. Yeah, but it's also like, eh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that Kobe Smulders has a guest star credit on every episode. And they've probably done that on purpose because they reuse footage of, of that yeah. in the previously in yeah. every episode. And I think they've done that on purpose so that if people got hold of the credits for each episode going they ahead of the still, broadcast, still be in she's in the whole series, so that the death would, was a surprise. That being said... Like, it just feels bad. I understand killing off a recurring character to really set the stakes. Yeah. But it sucks that it's a character that we've all kind of wanted to see more of because we've not seen enough of her. Yeah. And we really like yeah. the actor. Yeah. So it's like, that's a shame. That was my initial reaction to that first episode. I was like, wow. Did they just kill Maria? Yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing Maria Hell get to do some more stuff. And they just killed her. Cool. All the stuff uh, that's not working. Um,. It feels, for a globe-trotting adventure, it has long stretches where it feels very small. Which I understand, obviously, is a budget constraint. But at the same time, you're telling us that this is the thing that might start World War Three. I kind of need to feel that scale in the presentation a bit more. And the closest we've got is to shoot out at the end of Episode 4. 
which uh, which was the, the attack on the president's convoy. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's that, like the, the biggest that, action set that that so took far. me back to um, the, the the convoy sequence in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, totally. Um, and the fact that it's all practical effects as well, yeah. and it's like it looks really good. The, the sort of wounded Talos sort of shift. Yeah, that's really good. Um, the the rather brutal way that Gravik uses the 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 group powers to murder people is like oh that's quite horrific like Flora Colossus Flora Colossus yeah they use Groot good. early on the screen and then they yeah. keep saying Flora Colossus um, although we've yet to see the uh, the Frost Beast powers at play in any way yeah. we've seen extremists at play Cull Obsidian we saw briefly in the fight where his, his own like men turned against him he like smashes one of them aside with a Groot arm but it was like big big Groot arm. and it was like oh that's kind of like Call Obsidian, yeah. like, big strength, okay. Um, I love that Extremis is visually distinct enough that they don't have to explain it anymore. It's just a shorthand for, oh, Bernie Healy, like... Bernie Healy. Like, scary looking. Yeah. Okay, that'll do. Um, uh, but yeah, it feels kind of tiny. Like, the last time it felt big, weirdly, was the discussion between the the politicians and pundits that are scrolls, yeah. plants. That no, was scrolls the- aren't plants. <laughs> No, but like the, the, the swine. Like that, that was that was the last scene. That was what episode two or three. That was yeah. the last scene where I was like, "Oh, this feels like a worldwide thing." Yeah, because it was like, "Oh, we're seeing the whole right. Here are all the people that here are all the moles, and now we're going to send them back out, and we'll follow them and see how it develops the story." Nope. 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 We briefly see the prime minister one more time. She's on uh, the committee hearing for roads. Yep. And we briefly see the American pundit again yes. on TV. Oh. And it's like, okay. It feels like all of this is taking place in London because it is. <laughs> and it's like... Eh, like you, even you, when it's not. <laughs> even the, even the, nuclear, the nuclear plant that they're hiding out in, the scrolls, we're seeing the same three rooms. Yeah. It just kind of... You want it to the the whole point of it for those who haven't watched it and who don't care about spoilers and are just listening to us theorists talk about shit. The whole basic plot of Secret Invasion is the scrolls from Captain Marvel, the shape changing race of refugees without a home planet um, that came to Earth and under the help of Nick Fury have blended in in a baby steps kind of operation to eventually find them a new home or get them integrated on Earth in some way. Have split into two factions. The original faction who are having to lie low because of the violent other faction who are quite rightfully angry at how long they've been waiting, but taking extreme methods to basically make Earth their new home. Um, Endgame being, murder the human population and take the planet by force. Um, They are greatly outnumbered, so they are seeding people throughout the world to lead to either a negotiation where they are given priority status as like you know valid beings on the planet um who should not be messed with or have the world killing themselves in a world war and then they reclaim what's left of the planet yeah so it's you know it's the every mcu understandable villain kind of thing it's your killmongers you know it's that kind of thing of i absolutely see where you're coming from why you're enraged and you absolutely deserve justice this is not the way to do it type of storyline. And like with um, Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther, Kingsley Benadire is a fucking great performance oh, yeah, no, he's as, as Gravik, really the great. lead scroll really of the faction. Um, so that's the premise. So it's a worldwide hopping thing of, oh my God. And at some point they're like, look, eventually when we go public or enough leaks, 
superhumans are going to get involved in this. We need to prepare. So they introduce the Super Scroll program, which makes this nerdy little Fantastic Four boy very happy because it's like, holy shit, we're getting a version of this now. Yeah. Awesome. Super Scroll program is where a scroll is like genetically engineered to have the abilities of certain people that they mimic. So super, the OG Super Scroll, what's his name again? Is it like... Clurt. Clurt, that's I think. it. I think so. Yes, yeah. In recent years, he's looked more just like himself... In a red and yellow cape, pretty much. Well, yeah, because um, the, the, the trade-off for the original Super Scroll was that you couldn't shapeshift anymore. Yeah, that was the thing. He could only, he could only yeah. do those things. He could use all the Fantastic Four pow- powers, yeah. but couldn't shapeshift anymore. So he'd go all along, he'd go invisible, he'd create a force field, he'd set on fire, he'd get like rocky exterior and all that stuff. Sometimes all at the same time. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, for those listening at home, I'm showing my penis to camera. Sometimes all at the same time. Um, so the fact that they're kind of giving us that with, uh, you know, things they've sourced is a great idea mm. because Flora Colossi, Groot, so we can kind of stretch and do that sort of stuff. Cull Obsidian, the, the, sever- the severed hand from the fight in um, New York yep. uh, is, you know, it's a big old... Lumpy fist, so big super strength, like alien super strength. Big old fist. Um, Frost beast, I guess we've not seen that in action yet. Not seen an extremis beast. from Iron Man 3. They can heal up, they can set things on fire with their hands. So we're kind of getting the Johnny Storm stuff. Yeah. So, okay, that's cool, that's cool. Um, and then the ongoing plot thing of they're after something called The Harvest, which we learn is another one of Fury's many like, oh, Fury, what have you done? Yeah. Um, but post-Endgame, so like, dude, what have you done? Like, original film, you know, Avengers, why have you got all these Hydra weapons? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And, like, he's still got secrets within secrets. And this one is, after the fight at the Avengers compound in Endgame, blood samples were collected from everywhere, and now a shitload of superpowered beings from that fight, hero, villain, whoever, are collected in something called The Harvest. Um, it's a tiny little vial. Tiny little vial, which, again, is like, that's a great idea because that's what um, Gravik wants. Yeah. Because then they have basically hundreds of superpowers that they can implement onto themselves. Because, of course, Gravik is the person who led the team to recover cover it all yeah. before handing it off to Fury. Who yeah. Did it. So he's been thinking about it the whole time. Mm. He's like, mm, we can do this. So, like, that's a great idea. Which leads to the main problem with the scale of this series. It shouldn't be called Secret Invasion. It should be called Pre- Invasion. Prevasion. It feels like the prep for a secret invasion well, level event. The, now they have already been invaded because they've already infiltrated. Yeah, they've not won. It's not like um, nah. the original comic where it's like, "P.S. We've won. We've already won. We're already here, yeah. guys." And, well, and they kind and, of are. Yeah. Well, they've only they've only shown their hand now. Yeah. Like it's only really, the government are now starting to talk about them openly. Which just begs the question of how long some of them have been there. Which is, I think, the thing the show doesn't manage to bring the excitement from the source material from. Yeah. So in the original comic book, it's a little more elaborate, but essentially a storyline in New Avengers, which is the team that sided with Cap in the Civil War and have carried on without him and are led by Luke Cage at this point. There's this whole thing with the hand, they're fighting Elektra, and Elektra gets killed by Echo and turns into a scroll. And everyone's like, wait, what? Electra was a scroll this Electra whole time. Electra was a scroll this whole time. That's weird. We need to like figure out what's going on here. And 
a mole from that team, like Spider-Woman, uh, goes to Tony Stark and is like, hey, I know we're all not friends right now. We need Reed to look at this. Like, my other team don't want you to know yeah. that I'm having this conversation, but I think you need to do this because um, this is weird. And he's like, I appreciate you bringing this to me because we've also been following these leads for this thing over here and there's some weird discrepancies and maybe this is the same thing. And you realize later that this was the scrolls basically gloating and getting yeah. their attention on purpose because they've already won. Like, yeah. the, the winning is about to be unveiled. Um because then they really mess with the heroes. And you learn that Elektra and a bunch of others have been off-world in stasis for a while. Yeah. Also, some of them are in stasis with Skrull imposters pretending to be the real heroes in stasis, yep. just to muddy the waters even more. Um, poor fucking Hawkeye, that's all I have to say. To the, to the point where, you know, some of those characters aren't sure... Whether they're sleeper agents or not. Tony is convinced that he's a sleeper agent. Yep. And all evidence points to it being that way until Natasha is like, slap, slap, slap. No. <laughs> She's using you to muddy the waters further. Who's she? Jessica Drew. Spider-Woman. The Skrull Queen. Queen Varank. Queen Varank, uh, who fucking loves that body because she stays in it for as long as possible. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing. You learn that so many players have been there for a while. And Hank Pym. Hank Pym. Um, you get that brilliant moment where different scrolls are sent to different places to try and eradicate or incapacitate super teams. Yeah. So Thunderbolts Mountain, led by Norman Osborn, is attacked by Quasar. And yep. it's not Quasar, it's a scroll, but he's he is a sleeper agent who thinks what they've done to him is evil and is having second thoughts, and he doesn't kill them, and then he panics, leaves, makes a point, and then basically kamikazes himself. Yep. Uh, but like publicly going. Like, it's not all of us. Like, honestly, they're evil. Like, here's how you can defeat them, blah, blah, blah. And Osborne learns that info. In the Deadpool tie-in, Deadpool is recruited by Furies and yep. hiding to develop the weapon that will kill the Skrull Queen. And then last second, Deadpool gets murdered by Norman Osborne, who uses it. Yep. And then uses it in the main story. And that's how he, the whole Dark Reign thing... Which is ama the, yeah. an amazing era of comics. It's so much fun. But, but, but... Point is, it culminates in a giant fight in Central Park between a bunch of super-powered Skrulls and the previously at-war Avengers teaming up to do the right thing. Yep. Um, and the stakes of it are how long it's been going on. There's this incredible moment where you realise Jarvis, the Avengers butler, has been a scroll for a while. He shows up on the helicarrier out of nowhere to confront Director Hill. And when she's like, right, but what... I'm assuming you're one of these things then. What's to stop me and my men from like putting you down right now? And he's like, what what makes you think they're your men? Yeah, and subtly in the in the POV shot of the panel, the guns behind her shoulder pointing toward Jarvis have all moved. Yeah, and the panel turns around like the camera flips around, and every single one of her men, bar like two at the back, who now have guns at their heads, are scrolls. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, how long has this been going on for? Um, it's amazing. It's so so well done. The problem with the show is the show is a single entity. Yeah. The Ross, the Everett Ross that appears in episode one, you only have maybe three minutes of, oh, it's cool that Martin Freeman's cameoing in this. I didn't realise he was going to be in it, like, much more than... You saw him in the trailer briefly, but I didn't realise he was going to be in it much more. And then, oh, no, it's a scroll. You're like, oh, okay, cool. So you're going to toy with us with the idea of people we know might not have been the people we know. Yeah. Except, no, all of this has happened pre the series quite recently. Yeah. So, well... 
We're not sure. True, but like, Rhodey wasn't a Skrull in Captain America. Oh, sorry, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Wasn't he? Well, if he was, what was the point? All he did in that was have a nice, quiet word with Sam and send him on his way. So, so well, yeah, why would it matter if it was a scroll or wasn't a scroll? Exactly. But one of the beauties of the Secret Invasion event was learning that seemingly innocuous stuff... Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. ...from two years ago yeah. was all part of what Bendis and co. were planning to eventually reveal. Yeah, so he's missing that aspect. Yeah, yeah and so it's kind of like, like... Like, for example, it would have been one hell of a shock if in... I don't know, what was the last show? She-Hulk. Yeah. Some had gone on this, that, or the other, and a client or whatever had died. Someone we know. And then have turned into a scroll on death. And we all would have gone, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, that's the wrong show for that. But just as an example, something to lead in the idea of, oh, God, something's coming. No, something's already here. Yeah. We just didn't know. Now, obviously, the show can do that. But because it takes place so far over the course of, like, a week... Do you know what I mean? It's it's, yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel big. It feels very small. But we're told that it's been there for a while, but we're not showing that. Yeah, and there's only so much you can do as well with actors who you want people to see and you want to have them in your show, but you've cast them as shape-changing creatures who are now not going to change shape very much at all because you want us to see the actors that you've cast. Yep. Like, why is Amelia Clark playing a scroll if we're just going to see Amelia Clark all the time? Why is Kingsley Benadir playing a scroll if we're just going to see Kingsley Benadir? Well, now, to be fair, when he was when he was in scroll mode, that was very much him in prosthetics. Yeah, so that was him going, "No, I want to do it. Stick it on my face. Let's go." I mean, come they on, put let's do it. Clark in prosthetics as well. They have done, yeah, yeah. but also with some other actors like uh, the scene, the flashback to the nineties in the second episode. Yeah, um, and and also the for the scrolls in the first one who like took on right. These are the guys he's going to be in for a while. Keep them on now. Yeah, they were different actors because time budget losing the light yeah, kind of things. Yeah. It's like, look, you're them. We get you out of frame. We bring you guys in now. Yeah. Um, Gaia's mum, for example. God, what was her name? What's her name? Oh, God. Soren. Soren, thank you. Soren has been played by three different actors. Yay! Two in this, in that scene. One Brilliant. in makeup and one without. Brilliant. And one in Captain Marvel and Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. It's like... I mean, for starters, why not bring in the lady who played her in the other two things? Yeah. Might, have been, might have been time. Like, we're, yeah, we're, shooting, it, we're shooting it on yeah. one day. We can't get her. We'll have to crack up. Like the Vanessa in the upcoming Daredevil Born Again thing. Like, it is a different Vanessa. And it has come out that, yeah, it's just schedule-wise, it did not work. Oh, that's disappointing. Which is a shame. But, like, she must be in it quite a bit if they've had to make that yeah, choice. Yeah, true. Um, like, if it was, like, Series 3, where it's just like, we need you for a week, then I'm sure they could have made it work. But... We'll see. Oh, um, San Diego Comic-Con confirmed some upcoming Marvel Legends, which finally include a D'Onofrio Kingpin figure. And he looks amazing. They're based on the outfit he wears in his first scene in Hawkeye, because it has to be a Hawkeye figure. But that's obviously the white coat, black shirt from Series 3 of Daredevil. So it's like... It's very good. Well played. Um, Although I would have loved him in his fat Spider-Man family business. No, like, the shirt is great. Hawaiian yeah. shirt, but I know other people would have gone, no, but whatever. There's also when I get the Harkness figure and it looks amazing. Excellent. And a Goliath figure based on what if. Yeah, you mentioned A white that. and blue Ant-Man suit. Um, Interesting. Mm, and a Talos that looks really good. And a Fury that looks really good. Um, what do we really like about this show? Ben Mendelsohn. Mendo's a fucking don. He's ace in this. And after seeing... I love him as Talos, and I love his chemistry with Sam Jackson. Yeah. And I love his chemistry with Clark when they have their scenes together. 
Um, him confronting Gravik in the museum was great. Brilliantly that, played by the two of them. That's the closest thing yet to that Maria Hill moment of, of everyone being a scroll. I think that's what that's yeah. meant to kind of yeah yeah. It's a shame the trailer spoiled that moment. Yeah, it's a cool visual, but now I know it's like oh, it's because it's the only one like that you've got in the yeah, show. Yeah, So that's why you put it in the trailer. Um, did you see him do that interview where he was asked like, "Who's your favorite Marvel character?" And he went, "Doom." And they went, why? And he just goes into this speech of why. Because the Fantastic Four suck, man. <laughs> this guy is the smartest. He's the most handsome. Even with the scars. Even with the mask. He's Basically, he pitched why he should be doomed without saying that. And I'm like... I think Doom should be slightly it. older than Reed at most. So you can believe that yeah. they're contemporaries. But can we just like de-age Mendo a tiny bit and have him play Doom. Please. Because he's so good. And he clearly loves it. Because everyone's going, so even he thinks the Fantastic Four sucks. He's like, no, he's he's batting for Doom yes, here. Yes, yes. Like, the reason he loves Doom is because he's read Fantastic Four and loves reading Doom stories. Yeah. Mendo's I, so good. I reread is. the Mark Wade era um, yeah, recently. Yeah. Fuck me it's sideways. so good. So good. Just the whole stuff with Doom just... Oh, beautiful. Um, go read Mark Wade and Mike Waringo's time on Fantastic Four. It's it's fucking amazing. Lee Kerber, Wade Waringo, Hickman. Those are the I need to start Hickman proper. I've only read, on your recommendation, I read the it's first arc. Very loved good. It, and went, I'll get back to this one day. And then had no money to do it. And now I have Marvel Unlimited, so I should read it. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, what the hell was that? Stuff we like. Mendo, Clark's fun. Coleman steals Coleman's every scene she's fabulous in. Fabulous in this. Uh, they lose points for bringing Tony Curran back as another MCU role that's wasted. He was yeah. bore in the Dark World, yeah, for three seconds, yeah, and now he's like the head of, like MI six or whatever, MI five, yeah, SIS, SIS. Who gets shot in the in the? I love that she shoots him in the lap while his hands on his lap, yeah. So he pulls his hand away, and you've got two bullet holes. <laughs> but it's it's like holy shit, Tony Curran, yeah. Oh. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay, what That's a waste it. of Tony Curran. So your game. Um, that happens. God damn it! Someone that that man deserves a reward. Get him a paycheck for lost time and sit Karen Gillan in some sunflowers again for him to look at because that, <laughs> that was adorable. Um, anyway, uh, oh shit, we like shit, we like Gra- Gravik is incredible. Kingsley Benadir is is brilliant. Um, Sam Jackson is great in this. Like it's it's weird in a way because. The, the whole thing, the whole show is going, Fury, you're a tired old dog. And it's like, he doesn't act like that. I mean, bullet point for the drinking game. He doesn't act like that, though. He acts like Sam Jackson. He's passionate and he's got this fire in him. And any scene where it's a monologue, you're like, yeah, there's a reason we fucking love him. He's so good. Yeah. Like any scene where it's him and Mendelssohn, they are great together. Yeah. Um, the actor who plays his wife, they're fucking incredible in their scenes together. But that's a weird dynamic. Now, that is a weird that's dynamic. That's an uncomfortable dynamic. It's weird, because it's this whole thing of like... And I do like that um, Gaia calls her out on it and is like, you know... And she says, you wouldn't understand, but she basically calls her out on like, so you would look like this the whole time then for him. Yeah. You're not in your true skin. Yeah. And the way they've kind of painted it is that she's like... She's happy to be who she is because she feels she's honouring the person whose name she took. Because yeah. it, it was a good person. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but also you're really mad that you you joined G- um, Gravik briefly. Yeah. Because you feel that Fury has basically wasted your time for the last 20 odd years. Yeah. 
So are you against him or are you not? But then she's not. But at the same time, yeah, love is complicated. Love is complicated. I get it. And I think I think the shooting scene between them was there to illustrate the idea of this isn't cut and dry. Yeah. They're not going to be together anymore, but they definitely love each other. And one could argue, were they ever really together in the first place? Yeah. From what they, from what they seems, say about seems, the way their relationships worked. It seems to be more of a, they not, have a no. shared experience and they are two people who, because of their existence, in her case, having to hide, doing these covert missions, being more of a mother figure to the younger scrolls, because we see that in the 90s. Yes. And in his case, heading up S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Charlene Woodard. Charlene Wood. Oh, yes. Oh, fuck. She's amazing. Mm. Um, and like Samuel L. Jackson has aged like a fine fucking woman. It's the woman who plays his mum in Unbreakable. Yeah. That's weird, right? <laughs> That's really weird. I like it. Um, again, the Book of Boba Fett ruling of, look, let's cast people who are much older, but still fucking gorgeous yeah. and can handle a whole show. Yeah, totally. Let's do it. Totally. Um, but yeah, so, um, like a bantha. So, um, like, yeah, <laughs> fuck. Stop. Go. You get the sense that because of her existence and his existence, neither of them can have a normal life. Neither of them can have a marriage, can settle down, can have a home, a steady sort of like structure. So what they do is when they both have the fleeting moments they can have that, they have it together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like it feels basically like the ultimate long distance marriage. It's like two people who are married who work on opposite sides of the planet and then get to spend like a month together each year. Yeah. So it is yeah. complicated and there is a love there, but it's not it 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 feels like it's it's the effort is very much more one-sided in her input to the relationship. Yeah. But that's tying into this whole thing of Fury, you've been out of sorts, which they've still not really explained. You've been up there on your spaceship. Yeah? How is that a bad thing? We, the audience, have been told, oh, he's doing a thing up there. And it's like, well, we, from what we know of him, it must be important. We see that scrolls are involved. So maybe it's finding them a homeworld. Like, that's important. Isn't that what she also wants? At least for, like, the scrolls she's taken under her wing and looked after? Uh, y- y- Do you know you what I mean? There's, 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 mixed, there's mixed signals on what we're meant to give a shit about. And they've only got an episode left to wrap it all up. So, I hope that the episode six is the rug pull for us, the viewers, as well as the characters. I hope this is the thing that goes, surprise, here's the real thing that's been undercurrent the whole time. Yeah. Whether it be an action... Or someone being several steps ahead of everything when everyone keeps saying they're a tired old dog and they're out of sorts. Like, for example, Mm. poor example, if Maria Hill steps out in this next episode to provide all the evidence against what's going on, and do you know what I mean? And then we're like, wait, what? And they pull that off? It works. Because then it means she's still in the game. She's the fucking saviour of the day and was from the start on this. So it yeah. doesn't feel as much like a fridging as a holy shit, Fury and Hill know exactly what they're doing and have done this entire time. Yeah. Um, like, do you know what I mean? Or like, Fury isn't Fury. Fury's still up there. This is someone else. 
You know what I mean? Just like something. I don't think I'd like that, though. That would suck. That would feel like a slap in the face. But to a degree, unless it revealed that we've been watching both Fury and someone else throughout the series. That is interesting. Because then you'd at least be doing that thing of, look, you, the viewer, know exactly who all the imposters are. The only surprise one to you, really, has been uh, Martin Freeman in the opening scene. That was a surprise. That's the only surprise one. That's it. The the one that wasn't a surprise... I mean, Fury wasn't a surprise, because... Three seconds later, you cut to Fury across yeah, the, the square, that wasn't and you're like, "Oh my god, it's not him." Although it could have been the idea that if Hill had been a scroll, mm. that would have been interesting. Rhodey is a surprise, kind of, but not entirely. Rhodey stops being a surprise as soon as in the next episode you get that line about nobody calling him Nick. Yeah, and then you instantly know that Rhodey's a scroll. That was a good call. Yeah. And all, yeah, and then that little phone call as well, where you're like, "Why is Rhodey talking to her?" Yeah. Oh, I see. Like you yeah. know, and I think Don Cheadle's been fun in this. Don Cheadle's having a great time because I do enjoy him as Rhodey, and here we're getting a a taste of that, but not really. But also the bad guy. We're seeing him play a bad guy. Yeah, and he's having fun with it, and just the recurring thing of like the bourbon, and then the the whole thing later of the president like calling him out on his breath, sticking a booze because he's obviously had a few more glasses because he's like, Ooh, "This is the good shit." Those scenes with Fury I love, the ones where it's like yeah. him showing up in the barn in Age of Ultron where you're just like, what the fuck? And he speaks to Tony and lays it all out on Front Street. Like that scene in this where he shows up in Rhodey's hotel room. Yeah. is Rhodey's hotel room is great. Love that stuff. Um, uh, oh, God, there was one last thing I was going to say that was basically like, here's the crux for me. Oh, yeah. Unpin. Rewatch this series and play what my wife and I like to call the Sam Jackson is an old man game. <laughs> so Samuel Jackson is an incredible performer with the same amount of like tenacity and passion and fire behind his eyes and in his belly that he's always had as long as we've all known him as an actor. Uh, late 70s, I believe. He is brilliant. He's not lost it. He's still on it. He is an incredible performer who continues to be employed because not only does he put butts in seats, but you know you are going to get the goods when he's in something. Go on, how old is he currently? He's 75. 75. Now, five years ago in Captain Marvel, which we, he would have made when he was like 69, 70. Nice. Giggity. Um, Samuel L. Jackson is de-aged to look like he did in the 90s. He's de-aged to look like he's in his 40s. It's incredible it's implementation of the technology. It's a good look. It, unlike, say, with the Downey Jr. sort of de-age moment in that was a Civil War that feels yeah, weird because we're also like, we saw him when he was younger. He didn't look like that. It's like, true. weird science? Ah, but Tony Stark did. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this case, it's like, no, that Sam Jackson looks like he's just finished filming Pulp Fiction and is about to go and shoot Jackie Brown. Like, it looks like you've taken the guy from the 90s and I mean, in the he film. didn't have the, the long beard. No, to be fair. Braid. But, God, That's Jackie Brown's good. so good. Jackie Brown is um, nice. But, um, the only moment in Captain Marvel that breaks that illusion is when he bends down to pet Goose for the first time. Yeah, and it's a... It's, you see the knees of a soon-to-be 70-year-old yeah, bend to stroke that cat. Secret Invasion is 74-year-old Sam Jackson playing Nick Fury at various ages. 
But mostly at 74. But mostly at 74. <laughs> Take a shot every time during a scene. Scene can't start this way, and they rarely do. Every time during a scene, Nick Fury sits down. Sits down. And then take another shot if he ends that same scene still sat down. Sam Jackson sits in a series of chairs, the television show. A.K.A. Sit Fury. (laughs) Fury. (laughs) I think that's that. It's I think that's the end of the show. The Marvels. We watched, we watched the Marvels trailer just before this, and during that trailer, he sits down. He sits down. The second time you see him, he sits down in the trailer. Man's old, you know. Dude needs to sit down. That's all right. That's fine. Talos, we're going to interrogate this scroll. You stand over there. Yeah, I'm still on this I'll chair. <laughs> Blocking. Um. This is scene. I think it's the start of the third episode where it's the the flashback to the cafeteria post Avengers. Yeah. And he leans on a stool at the bar briefly, and then he goes and talks to his future wife, or well, wife, while she's sat in a booth, and he doesn't sit. And when the scene ended, Lou and I turned to each other and went, good on him. Good on him. He did a scene where he didn't sit down, and it was stationed around a stool and then a booth, and he didn't sit down. Good work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him playing young. (laughs) He committed that day. Uh, Speaking of committed, we're off. Um, if you want to get in touch for whatever reason, uh, let us know in the great summer movie war, what did you bother seeing? Was it Across the Spider-Verse? Was it Indiana Jones 5? Was it Oppenheimer? Was it Barbie? Was it Barbie? I've was it seen, definitely Barbie? I've was it Mission Impossible 7? It was Barbie. <laughs> You've got reasons. You've got responsibilities. I have. Um, and a child. Become a pirate. Arrgh, <laughs> Um, dress your kid up as a pirate. <laughs> And tell them to go and steal movies. Oh, God. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. We'll see you again soon. Until then, let's do a reverse Sam Jackson. Bye, everybody. Bye. I was listening along. We just got our cocks out.